Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to all those listening on ACB Radio, broadcast on ACB Radio Mainstream. And I want to again thank uh, our uh, steering committee chairs uh, for the first segment. We heard from Janet Dickelman from Convention, uh, then Kim Charlson from the Audio Description Project, and last but not least, uh, Cindy Hollis from Membership Services. So great job. We're now going to move on to our next three steering committees, which will be advocacy, uh, scholarship and awards, and information referral and peer support. First, we're going to hear from Clark Rackful, who is uh, the uh, staff lead for the advocacy steering committee. He's teamed with member lead Jeff Tom and officer liaison Mark Reichert. So, Clark, take it away. Look forward to hearing from you. Thanks so much, Dan, and hello again, everyone. Uh, so there is a brief report for advocacy, ACB advocacy, that was included in the board packet. Um, so I, I'm happy to take any questions regarding that or our advocacy work this year. One minor correction that I will uh, verbalize to that that report that was also shared with the uh, ACB advisory board in that report, it said four states offered elect fully electronic absentee voting this year due to the advocacy work of ACB and others. And in reality, that was five, thanks to the great work of the Charlsons and our folks uh, working with the Bay State Council. So those five states that offered electronic voting for people with disabilities in the 2020 general election were Maine, Massachusetts, Delaware, North Carolina, and West Virginia. And in contrast, 29 states in total offer fully electronic voting uh, for U of Cava or uniformed military and overseas citizens. So some some opportunities are still out there. And, and I'll touch on voting a bit more here in a minute. So the Advocacy Steering Committee is made up of seven committees, and I always group, group these two together, Transportation and Environmental Access, chaired by Sheila Styron and Becky Davidson, respectively. Information Access, chaired by Jeff Bishop. Uh, resolutions, chaired by Gabe, and, Gabe Griffith and Jill Noble. Uh, the Rehab Issues Task Force, chaired by uh, Doug Powell, and I believe transitioning to Chris Hunsinger from Pennsylvania, uh, and the Special Education Committee, chaired by Debbie Grubb. Um, and if no one tells me I missed one, I will keep going. Uh, I think it was Ray that said that's the problem once you start naming people in committees. You're always bound to miss one. So the advocacy steering what about, committee. What about, what about transportation, Clark? Are they a part of it or not? They are. They are. Yep. I, I grouped them and, tra and environmental okay. access together. Yep. Okay. Thank you, though. No problem. Um, and, uh, of course, as the, the staff liaison to these committees, I share them in equal part um, of equal part of the, you know, the joy as well as the responsibilities with Claire Stanley. Um, so recently the 
ABSI steering committee, we had our first L10 meeting. Um, this meeting, this meeting style that's being rolled out across ACB, as folks have already heard, um, our main rocks, as we call them, our goals within the advocacy steering committee are to successfully plan and convene the virtual 2021 uh, legislative seminar, as well as plan advocacy programming around the broad health and wellness campaign that ACB will be launching later this year and into 2021 that I'm sure Tony Stevens will um, talk more about. So focusing on the legislative seminar, uh, along with uh, member liaison, uh, our member lead, Jeff Tom, as well as, as Dan said, officer lead, uh, Mark Reichert, we are working to inform the affiliates presidents of advocacy opportunities uh, leading up to the legislative seminar. We will plan and host community events to discuss uh, meeting etiquette, arranging meetings, and what to expect at the legislative seminar, and then also organizing content around tracks, very similar to what's being discussed for the annual conference and convention. But then also add that while speaking at the fall conference for the American Printing House for the Blind, that Dan Spoon raised the idea of all the blindness organizations on the national level um, coming together and working together for these grassroots or advocacy conferences. So once we have our tracks and our content established, we will work with our partner organizations in the blindness space so that we can come together and advoc advocate with a single, larger, more amplified voice on issues such as rehabilitation or health and wellness or transportation, et cetera. Uh, circling back to accessible absentee voting, uh, Jeff Tom asked me not so much to give a report on all the work that has been done, which has already been discussed to some extent, but really where, where do we go from here? Um, so I mentioned that five states offered fully electronic voting for people with disabilities this year. There are 29 states that offer that for the U of Cava voters. Um, so <laughs> easy math says there are 24 states that could be considered uh, low-hanging fruit. I think what's really important for us to do right now is gather the voting stories from our members. Earlier today, I was speaking with the uh, ACB of Virginia during their annual convention uh, as they had a, a voting panel with individuals sharing their story. If state affiliates want to help us collect those stories, that would be fabulous. And you can reach out to Claire and me for more information. But ultimately, we'd like folks to submit their stories to voting at acb.org. Again, that's email address, voting at acb.org, as well as uh, submit them to the ACB Voices blog if you would like to share your voting story publicly. And these will certainly help us with our advocacy efforts. On the federal policy level, uh, it's looking like we'll have a Biden-Harris administration, and the Biden-Harris campaign has a disability transition plan. Uh, 
that was published over the summer. And there is a extensive paragraph in there on voting as well as the uh, Help America Vote Act or HAVA and making polling places accessible, expanding vote by mail. One thing that this plan is somewhat quiet on is accessible absentee voting. So this is something that we'll be looking to work with uh, the new administration, continue our work with the Election Assistance Commission, as well as the National Coalition uh, on Accessible Voting, which ACB is a member. Uh, Also, there's discussion that voting and voting reform could be one of the first bills introduced in the new Congress starting in January. Uh, So we will be working again with the cross-disability community. And another reason why it's really fortunate timing that our legislative seminar takes place early in the year, Um, basically within the, the right at the tail end of the first month of, I guess, whichever administration, uh, but after a first month, month after the inauguration. So we are looking at the week of Monday, February 22nd for the legislative seminar. So please stay tuned for more information on that. And before we open up to questions, I'd like to turn it over to Claire Stanley, our advocacy and outreach specialist, to provide an update on a a bit of ACB advocacy that folks have been following uh, for quite some time now. Claire, I think it's been about 18 years in the making. Yeah, so this work is an adult now. It can vote. (laughs) It can vote. Talking about voting. Oh, wow. (laughs) Perfect transition. <laughs> um, yeah, so I will try to talk quickly um, so we can give you guys time to ask questions. Um, but Clark just asked me to go over the most recent ruling in the currency, the accessible paper currency case that ACB first started in 2002. So it is, in fact, an adult. Um, we just had a ruling come down for our most recent case that um, Jeff Levitke, our attorney who's been helping us with this case, um, had an oral argument in front of the appeals court for the District of Columbia um, not too long ago. I put a summary of the ruling um, in the Dropbox, so hopefully everybody has seen it or you can go back and review it. I'll go through um, kind of the summary of the ruling really quickly, but I won't go um, into too much um, detail. But kind of the the crux of it was that in this oral argument, Jeff Jeff Levitke, say that three times fast, um, brought in appeal um, to the first the district court level and then this time around it was to the court of appeals because um, we wanted to appeal the ruling at the district level because the the outcome of 2016 or before 2016 that's when the first uh, case was brought before the court on this argument was that uh, the paper currency will be made accessible via design. So when the new $10 bill will come out, it'll be accessible, then roll forward five years, et cetera, whatever it looks like. And so this time we argue that there should be a fixed date instead of this rolling process, because I'm sure all of you know, this rolling process keeps rolling over and over again. Um, So Jeff Levicki first brought it to the district court and then the court of appeals. And um, long story short, the court of appeals this fall um, ruled in favor of the 
Department of the Treasury and upheld the ruling in the district court from 2016. And two of the major arguments that, again, are outlined in the um, the summary that I send out were the feasibility and security rules. Um, those were the arguments made by the Department of the Treasury in 2016. They said that uh, the Department of the Treasury had an argument that making paper currency accessible um, has a feasibility issue and a security issue. Um, this feasibility issue is how do we make paper currency accessible? The Treasury is using the um, rough texture feature, RTF argument, and because RTF, they haven't found a good way to do it without making the money break down quickly, um, make it easy enough for blind people to um, tactilely discriminate the, the numbers, things like that. They say there's still a feasibility argument there, um, and that's why they're delaying. And the security reason, they keep saying that in order to prevent the money from being counterfeit, they need to do yet another study on it and another study on it. And because of that, it's being delayed. And so for those two reasons, the feasibility and security arguments, they are letting the treasury um, work on this rolling basis instead of having a fixed state. So basically anytime the treasury says there's a feasibility or security argument, um, they have a potential argument to move it out. Um, so what does this all mean? We weren't able in arguing um, that there will be a fixed state. However, our, our original win in 2000, or 2008 still stands that the first uh, denomination of money does have to be made accessible. It's the $10 bill in 2026. So that still stands. What does ACB think though and what's going forward? Um, we're a little nervous though, talking to Jeff Levicki, our attorney, is that because the feasibility and security arguments have been so successful that before 2026, uh, 2026 uh, the Treasury could just bring yet another uh, case just like they did before and say, oh, it's still not feasible, it's still not secure. Um, and so this could potentially be a game of um, leapfrog where every time it gets close to them having to roll out a new design, they can say, oh, it's just not secure, it's just not feasible, and that this could become a game of leapfrog and, you know, it, it might not happen. Maybe that's too pessimistic. Um, maybe they will be successful by 2026 or sometime after, um, but that's kind of where we've come with um, Jeff Levicki, our attorney. So, um, but like I said, there's a, a summary in the Dropbox with a little bit more detail. Um, and yeah, we can answer any questions you might have. Thanks, Claire. And Advocacy Services Committee, which advises uh, the ACB staff on legal matters, chaired by Jeff Tom, was the committee that I failed to mention earlier. Um, so if folks have any questions for me or for Claire, um, please speak up. Uh, Clark and Claire, Clark. this is Dan. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Claire, did you have another? Jeff, it was Katie else? with a question, but oh, go ahead, Dan. Okay. Uh, and that is... Could you share just a little bit before we open up for questions about what's been happening with the FCC and some of the uh, new changes that were just approved there? And you mean in terms of audio description? Uh, the audio, yeah, the increased markets and yep. uh, change of name, those types of things. Mm -hmm. Sure. So at the, at the October 27th FCC open meeting, um, the Federal Communications Commission approved a report in order to expand by 10 broadcast markets a year the amount um, 
the number of markets required to pass through audio description. So currently the top 60 broadcast designated market areas, you know, basically roughly um, city metropolitan areas, uh, the top 60 are required to pass through audio description. In 2021, that will expand to the top 70, 2022, the top 80. Um, in 2023, they will revisit the expansion um, to see if they should go beyond the top 100, which will come on in 2024. Um, but this is a, a good win for ACB. Uh, the ACB filed comments and included an appendix of comments that we received from individuals and members who rely on audio description, who may not receive audio description already. And we included their designated market area. Um, it could have been everything from uh, DMA you know, 65, which is likely to get it next year up to 100, but then also there are around 250 market areas in the United States. So we had folks who would fall in market area 180 or 210, uh, chiming in and saying, hey, what are we chop liver? We want audio description too. And fortunately that was approved. Um, the National Association of Broadcasters dropped their opposition to it. And in the future, we hope it will go beyond the top 100. The FCC also voted to uh, kind of harmonize their language and no longer use the term video description. Uh, the rest of the world and the federal government and even off the, uh, the TV and outside of theaters, the term audio description is being used. So now the FCC will use that term as well. And then Claire and others who are members of the FCC Disability Advisory Committee um, they have worked this year uh, to create guidelines for audio description quality, and the FCC's Disability Advisory Committee approved those guidelines here this fall as well. Thank you. And then, uh, Katie, you had a question or, or comment? Yes, I was just curious um, when you specifically say the term accessible absentee ballot. Um, I mean, can you, I guess, just kind of clarify what's the criteria for the five states that have, have an accessible ballot? I mean, in Ohio, for example, we have a way to vote, but I, I wouldn't have respectfully argued that it's, it's not completely accessible. <laughs> so, um, so can you just kind of clarify that a little bit? Um, yes. So it, um, accessible absentee voting um, I, that's more of just an umbrella term. So technically what you have in Ohio, um, which I assume you're able to, I, well, I'm not assuming, I'm fairly confident that you're able to, uh, receive your ballot electronically, complete it electronically, but then you have to print and mail it in Precisely. if voting absentee. Yes. Yeah. So the, the five states that I mentioned earlier, they allow you to complete that last step electronically and in some cases that's been done via court challenge in other mm -hmm. cases it's been done through legislation um, so that's certainly something that we would like to see uh, more states adopt going forward 
Um, the term accessible absentee voting, it, it's just the the most precise language that I can use because sure. some states call, um, you know, there's, there's in-person voting and then there's early voting. Some states consider early voting to be um, absentee voting. Um, other states call it remote voting. So it's... Yeah. It's really just how you how you define it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Clark, or Mr. President. Hey, Jeff, go ahead. Um, Clark, you know, I always have been thinking of approaching DRC as one of those many, many states that, you know, as you know, don't allow um, return, you know, online return. Do we have any kind of legal brief or, or document that makes that case that basically says it is insufficient to allow a person to, you know, have to sign their document and print it and sign it and send it back? Great question, Jeff. I, I would say that the, the greatest advocacy tool from a legal sense that we have right now is the federal court decision in Massachusetts. So Massachusetts and Kim, please feel free to chime in as well. They worked with their state to pass legislation before their early September primary that still required the mail-in ballot return, right? You could complete it electronically, but then still had to mail it in. And following the primary, the Bay State Council um, and the, the PNA worked together and went to the courts and said, you know, this isn't good enough. This still poses a barrier to private and independent voting. And the court found in favor of the plaintiffs. So for the general election, Massachusetts was able to um, electronically basically do the, the keep the electronic ballot delivery market electronically, but then they were also allowed to return it electronically. So in terms of the courts, that's our, our best case in terms of, Clark, I think I've seen it, but could you send it out to the board again? Just absolutely. Okay. And then uh, in addition to that, I'll, I will also include the legislation that was passed in West Virginia, SB 94, that explicitly allows for, it doesn't mandate, but it allows for electronic ballot return. Um, that certainly has been very helpful when reaching out to states. You know, Massachusetts is a very Democratic state. West Virginia is a very Republican state. So it, it helps us make the case that this is not a partisan issue. This is a voting right and voting access issue. And then the, the last thing I'll add on this, uh, Jeff and everyone, is that there are still cases pending. Um, so many of the court challenges that ACB and others have filed, they have included settlements for preliminary injunction, basically saying that uh, there's and saying that there's an abundant need and you know, basically an immediate threat with this upcoming election. Um, the evidence is overwhelming. We need to have a system in place so that folks can vote. So let's, let's settle, um, put a temporary settlement in place for the election here this fall. And then once that election's done, 
the rest of the case can proceed. So Virginia, New York, um, the, the cases that NFB has been involved with, with Michigan and Pennsylvania, um, as well as the North Carolina Council of the Blind case as well, they still have broader lawsuits to proceed. So we're hopeful that the stories that ACB gathers, as well as other organizations gather, can be used to help make the case of why mail-in ballot return is not a sufficient accessibility solution. Jeff? Kim? It's Kim. I just wanted to tell you that I, um, Massachusetts is using the Voting Works system and I was able to vote um, fully electronic and submit my ballot for the November election. Um, it, it was a little tricky because what you do um, after you, the casting your ballot is easy, easy as can be. Check boxes, beautiful, no problems. Um, then you save, um, you know, save your ballot, download to print. Um, and it got a little dicey there. And I think um, Clark and I have agreed that maybe we'd like to talk um, with the Voting Works folks and say, maybe you can make this part a little clearer to people. Because what, what I had to do was find save as PDF. And that's what you have to do with your ballot is save it as a PDF. And then you attach the PDF to an email back to a designated you know, person, email address at, that, at the Secretary of State's office. That's what we were instructed to do. There's a coordinator for accept, accessible vote by mail um, coordinator, and they receive your ballot and they print it. And then it goes to your town clerk. So the actual physical ballot that looks like everybody else's goes to the town clerk. So it goes through the mail. So I was sweating a little bit that part of the process. And I was checking on, on, you know, check your ballot online kind of thing every day. And finally it said accepted, you know, like November 1st or something. <laughs> so I was getting a little nervous, but uh, that, that is what we had to do was save to PDF and then attach the PDF ballot to an email message. Um, Clark, uh, could you also send out the, the 24 states that have the online access for military and overseas, but don't have it for uh, other, uh, other folks? Because that would be, I think that'd be helpful in advocacy too. I've, I've been told Illinois doesn't have it for either, but um, mm -hmm. be curious to see what so at least we can make a case if we have to that say, hey, you know, some states are already doing this for the uh, military and overseas. Uh, let's see what we can do about the uh, about at least try to move some things forward, move the ball forward a bit. Mark or Kim, I have a question. Mm -hmm. um, with with the process that you just outlined, um, would we consider that to be a secret ballot? No, and there is a clause in the in the um, affidavit that we had to sign and send back that acknowledges that someone in the secretary of state's office will probably see your ballot and that you're aware they will see your ballot in the process of processing it to send it to your town clerk. And they so acknowledge it's not, that it's not, yes. 
it's not 100% a secret ballot because so it's you know how are they going to how are they going to process it if it's if the vote has to get counted by your town clerk and they don't have the ability to accept an email has to, it's centralized at least in our state no 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 Jeff, I, I, yeah. I guess i was asking i guess i was I, I knew it wasn't, but yeah, no, the, really and they, that. you know, and, and we, as the, as the person doing it, I mean, you, you can understand as they outline the process, it's clear that probably it is going to be a secret ballot. And that's the trade-off we make to be able to do it independently with nobody's assistance. Okay. Jeff, this is Clark. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll just add to Kim's points that that is a common waiver included with absentee ballots, um, whether they're paper or electronic, uh, because once they are received, the privacy envelope will need to be opened, the ballot unfolded. And um, depending on the state or if it's a provisional ballot, it may need to be transferred to a a ballot to run through a scanner. So even sighted people have this issue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. All right. That that's great. Mm-hmm. Thank All you right. for uh, educating me and everyone. Thank you. We have time for one more one more question or comment before uh, before we move on to Cindy to make sure we get her in before she has to leave at four thirty. So yeah, the other this is Den- uh, go ahead, Denise. Ray and, and it was it Denise and then Ray. Okay, uh, we'll take your two and no, then be done. No, I, I don't want Ray. I, I didn't ask for Denise the and somebody and Doug. And, Doug. and Doug. Okay, Denise and Doug. Okay, go ahead, Denise. Mark, could you tell me again really quickly which states um, uh, were successful in the legislative process? Because that's where we're going to have to go. And I'd like to be able to touch base with them. I know it's West Virginia, but. West Virginia and Massachusetts, Um, although Massachusetts in legislation did not. um, We we went to court. Right. We went to court because our secretary of state had interpreted the law to mean he didn't have to put it into effect until the general election in November, and he wasn't going to do it for the primary. Mm -hmm. So the first time we went to court was to get him to implement it for the primary because he was just kind of sitting on his duff and doing nothing, sort of, of, you know, and we said, "Uh uh-uh, that's not good enough for us. Get busy. And, And we won that one pretty easily. So um, that's why we ended up taking the legislation, which was pretty clear that we had the electronic ballot, but it only gave us in the legislation, it only gave us the option to print the ballot. So the court yeah. gave us the option to return it. So, okay, great. Thank you. And, and I will add that there are other states like Delaware and New Jersey uh, where the state governments used their existing administrative authority um, to basically change their voting policy, much like many other states were changing their voting policies, but to do so and create accessible absentee voting options. All right, Doug. Yeah, just to add to the conversation here, the, um, uh, uh, the news talk radio in our area had a, a segment uh, where they uh, extolled the fact that the, uh, I've forgotten the name of the woman who's the astronaut who went up to the space station was going to be able to electronically receive and return her ballot. So, um, you know, that, that, you know, we were kicking the wall on that one. <laughs> yep. 
And that, that happens in the military option as well, quite a bit. So, yeah. all right. Well, thank you, Clark and Claire, and uh, appreciate all of the hard work of the Advocacy Steering Committee and of our two key staff members, uh, Clark Rackfall and Claire Stanley. Thank you so much. Uh, all right. Next, we're going to have uh, Cindy Hollis uh, back up to talk about scholarship and awards as our staff lead uh, for that steering committee. Her team lead, uh, member team lead is Kenneth Simeon, and our officer liaison is Denise Colley. So thank you, uh, Cindy. Um, let's see. So with the scholarship and awards steering committee, um, actually our last meeting, we uh, tried out a bit of the L10 meeting, which was kind of fun, and uh, look forward to implementing that more because it just brings a little bit of structure and helps us target and set goals and really, um, I think, keep some really good direction. Um, the Scholarship and Awards Committee, or Steering Committee, is comprised of, of course, the Scholarship Committee, the Awards Committee, and the DKM, or Derbert K. McDaniel, uh, committee, which also covers first timer and um, what do we call that? The JP leader, Morgan, JP Morgan, Chase. Morgan Leadership. Chase. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, and I apologize, you guys. I I I feel like I'm a little uh, uh, not on my best game right now because I've had so many things going on today. Uh, so I'll admit that, and will appreciate any help I get. Um, so the scholarships are up uh, online. So last year was um, the first year that we went to a pretty much completely online with all of the processing. So the committee also operated from online um, and doing all of their scoring and everything, which really for a first year and doing it went pretty well. Um, and uh, we also, that committee also restructured how the, the categories in which their subcommittees worked to, um, and, and score within uh, for those scholarships. And Denise probably would do a better job at explaining what the, what the breakdown was, because I, I cannot remember. Um, <laughs> you want to share that real quick, Denise, that, um, how it was broken down? Yeah, one subcommittee did uh, engineering, engineering and technology. Um, these were all based on the fields that the students were going into. So we had one subcommittee doing um, information uh, technology and engineering. Uh, we had one doing education and rehabilitation. We have one doing. Um, uh, like accounting and finance stuff. And then we had one that was more of a sort of a general committee that also did um, uh, um, all like the special, uh, the, the, the categories that didn't really fit anywhere else, right. like music and, you know, all the performing arts stuff and, you know, those kinds of things. And a lot and of we these just, were, were also, they were broken into these categories based on the scholarships and the requirements for those scholarships. Yes. So yes. it, it tried, tried to even out some of the work um, because there was 
some of the committees had more work than others previously subcommittees had more work than others and um so thank you denise for helping me there um <laughs> and uh so uh, DKM and uh, awards still plan to do their uh, awards for next convention as well. And uh, man, you know, it's really it's a good group that we've we've started creating some goals, uh, and so working still on that, um, and hoping that by going to the L10 meetings, it will help us create some be more strategic about our reporting and the work we're doing and creating um, a path forward that will really feed into uh, succession planning, even for these committees and the work that is done. So um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else specifically that that really is kind of things in a nutshell, unless people have specific questions about or Nancy might have something too but yeah go ahead Denise I was just gonna say BOP awards is also under oh thank you yes so yeah we do um have uh BOP represented as well and so of course when it's time for that like right now you know obviously our main focus is scholarships because that's just the time of year so Nancy do you have anything to add No, <laughs> I would say this Not is Dan. Yes, I, yes, I do. No. I, was trying to, I was trying to find my button here. <laughs> so you guys, one thing I do want to say is, you know, anytime you roll out something new, it is a little bit rocky, but I think overall the process that we used last year and are going to continue using for the, the application and the review process went very well. There are about 15 people that have already started their scholarship application and typically those kids aren't even thinking about this at this time of year. They don't. They don't start thinking about it till like end of January or the middle of January. So well, I they're think home. These, you know, they might as well, right? <laughs> yes. So, so something has happened that they're doing a jump start on it this year, which, yeah. which hopefully we'll get a lot a more applicants. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Mom and dad might and, need more financial help. That might be one. Well, and I think the deadline. Is, I think the deadline is February fifteenth. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. So. Um, Anyway, yeah. and really, I, we appreciate the committees. One thing that we learned last year is we're trying to to uh, move these deadlines up a little bit for this year. So, once we select the winners, we then have ample amount of time to interview uh, the scholarship winners and the DKM winners and get them on video, uh, so we don't kind of snowplow everybody's. Um, uh, the work of the of the broadcast committee uh, to getting all that done right at the last minute. So we sure. really appreciate everybody's support. And the other thing that I thought was really a huge step forward this year was the uh, the partnership with AFB. Mm-hmm. And what well, I was going to mention that as I yeah. was, re- yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, that that brought a lot more money and value to these scholarships. But it also created, you know, a little bit of extra trying to figure out which ones go together. And, you know, as we mapped out those uh, those subcommittees, so that uh, there was a lot of thought process that went into it uh, for that to happen. But our scholarships are big, you guys, and uh, we give up to, is it 7,500? 7,500, 7, yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, yep. So and it's not just one scholarship. 
You know, there's there's, there's several. So there's three. There's actually three seventy five hundred yeah. scholarships. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. that's quite a. I mean, that my, that's my kid, huge. That's huge. My kids in it college. Is. That's a huge amount yeah. of money. So it really, it really is. Uh, yeah. The other nice thing that we're see. looking at doing is um, coming up with some community events around scholarships that we will be implementing uh, here very, very soon. One is going to be targeted toward people who are in school and needing to do online learning, and how are they negotiating or navigating? Uh, the current circumstances at their school. And the other one is going to be around the scholarship process and hopefully uh, assist uh, ahead of time people, you know, filling out the forms and all the things that they need and answer those questions for those that are going to come along and um, actually apply. So, uh, Am I right on, was there anything yeah. else, Denise? Those were the two, right, that we had talked right. about. So right. um, that's kind of where we're at. All right. Well, thank you. And I I think uh, we heard very resoundingly from the uh, convention satisfaction survey that people really like the video interviews oh, spread across the week. Those really yeah, made it them was, special. Yeah. We got a lot of feedback. It was It was a little... In some ways, it was for me. It was almost the hardest part of the whole process, trying to, trying to get, you know, because you you, at least my what I have done is done my scholarship presentations in a certain order, and when you couldn't schedule all of those people at one time with one um, scholarship committee mem- uh, member doing the interviews was um, a little cumbersome so hopefully I can make that work out better this year but we got a lot of great feedback and one of the other things from from the the perspective of those listening they people got to really know they did uh, and and people just loved it pressured or pushed or um overwhelmed by too many at one time you know I think that was I hope I hope we can do that even when we go back to in person. I hope that we will do something like that because it's really a neat way to and I think I think it's actually better for the scholarship students it seems like because then they don't have to sit there and try to think of something to say. You can have somebody asking them different questions and they can just answer and it's maybe a little less uh, less nerve-wracking for them. Yeah. Intimidating is a good word too, yeah. yeah. There is one thing I want to say that we noticed is that we did not have that many duplicate interviews between the the um, subcommittees too. So I think we oh, came yeah, up that with was a, yeah that cut we down yeah. that cut we um, we had um, two with the the uh, rehab and education subcommittee and we had four with um, engineering and technology, but that was really it. So it worked out quite well. And we, we've kind of joked about this, but just for everybody to keep this in mind. So we're virtual in 2021. When we go back in person in 2022, we are going to have three classes of DKM uh, winners and three classes of scholarship winners that will all, all be at the uh, Omaha convention live and in person. So there's going to be quite a young person leadership uh, get together there in Omaha. It'll be some real synergies, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
for you, uh, uh, Cindy, I, I see that as just a membership opportunity. Oh right my gosh, there. it's exciting! Yeah, <laughs> it is. I'm going to that get together. You, guys. <laughs> you me too. That, that could be a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> all right. Any all other right. questions for Cindy and so, team? Cindy, this is Dan Dillon. Um, has there been any more discussion about uh, scholarship winners after receiving their scholarship? Uh, giving something back uh, maybe a year or two of service to ACB or that has not been uh, a discussion item while I've been working with the steering committee yeah um, the, the, the scholarship yeah. committee has had some conversation there the the um, the opinions of the committee members are a bit mixed at this point just in terms of we all believe that you know, um, we need to do that, not only because we feel that the students need to give something back to ACB, but also as a way of, of improving our follow, follow up with them once they've received their scholarships. But we haven't really been able to come up with anything yet that we all feel is, you know, is, is going to work. I do believe that the community events, um, so I'll go back to those. Uh, I think that they actually give us a platform to really meet people where they're at, their interests, um, and maybe, you know, put some some targeted presentations together that could uh, bring them back and have them talk about maybe their experiences or, you know, mm-hmm, maybe their, yeah. you, you know, their, once they get into their job, into that job market and into the area. I mean, I remember didn't we have a lot of people like in the medical field this last time? I feel like. Yeah. 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 So that would be really an interesting, you know, couldn't that be a pretty interesting panel alone? Um, so I think that there's things that we could do uh, to bring people along. And again, I think that that's just part of the, if we bring them and engage them, you know, uh, and there's, and they get good feedback uh, that those all play a part into them wanting to give more so well thank you i'll definitely bring that up dan okay good good any other questions for the team all right well thank you so much thank you uh thank you cindy and denise and uh, nancy and, and everyone appreciate it thanks all right uh next we're going to go to uh Information Referral and Peer Support Steering Committee, as Claire likes to call it, ERPS. And I'd like to introduce Claire Stanley, who's our staff lead. Our uh, member lead is Doug Powell, and our officer liaison is Ray Campbell. So, uh, Claire? Hello, everybody. Um, I want to preface this with the fact that I have neighbors with kids who are screaming and yelling outside. So I promise that's not me. <laughs> it's the kids. <laughs> um, great. So yeah, um, ERPS, we have some fun stuff going on um, this this year, this fall, in the last few months. Um, just as background, um, we meet every, the first, or not the first, the Monday, the first day of the week. We meet Monday of the fourth um, week of every month. However, this month we're going to be meeting the last, because there are five Mondays, the last Monday of the month because um, the week before is Thanksgiving. So we, we switched that up. So it's a little different this month. Um, 
I am not going to name all of my um, steering committee members because as we've heard many times today, I will undoubtedly miss someone and feel horrible. But I can say we have an amazing group of committee and affiliate chairs in our in our steering committee. So I feel very, very fortunate to work with a great group of people. Um, so the first thing that's kind of new to our steering committee that I wanted to talk about is our um, community event that we put on. Sydney was just talking about them. Everybody's doing the community calls and we thought we'd jump on the bandwagon. So since we're the information referral and peer support, we have named our community event information corner, which I thought was very fun. Um, so information corner, colon, and then whatever we're talking about for that month. Um, so this coming month, um, again, because uh, November, December is kind of strange with the holidays, we're gonna hold our next community event on December 1st, but usually it's the Tuesday immediately following the fourth Monday of our meeting. Um, so just as an example, in September, our first one, we talk about voting very timely. In October for ending National Disability Employment Awareness Month, we talked about employment. So we've had some fun stuff. We really want to be responsive to people and what's going on because that's what ERPS is all about, right? It's information referral. We don't just want things to be you know, obscure um, and not applicable to people. We really want to meet people where they are and provide the information that's needed. Um, so that, for instance, is why we did voting and employment. So um, we're constantly keeping our, our ear to the ground, so to speak, for topics. But if anybody ever has information they want us to do an information corner on, let us know. Um, the other fun thing about information corner is that the presenter is always an ACB member or members employment, we had two presenters, but because this is ERPS, because it's peer support as well, uh, we wanna bring in our own members to talk about information referral, to really show that we can support each other, that we have the information internally, and that we can be there to help one another. So that's kind of the peer support component of Information Corner. So um, also, if you personally have a topic you're really well-versed on and you'd like to do an Information Corner, please reach out as well. Um, another thing we've been working on recently is a code of contact, not contact, code of conduct, excuse me, and with the code of conduct is the confidentiality agreement. Um, so this came up because we're doing a lot of peer support, which a lot of people are really excited about, and that makes me excited. People want to be there for one another to provide peer support, and peer support can be there for all kinds of things. Say someone reaches out and they just lost their vision and they want a peer support. Or say somebody just had a baby and it's their first time being a blind parent and they want to talk to somebody about what works as a blind parent. They want someone who can provide peer support. But we want to make sure that they follow a code of conduct because, you know, these are volunteers and although we all trust each other and we love each other as ACB members, we want to make sure that people are performing to the highest standard, that they're respecting the person who needs that help. So we created this code of conduct that people are going to sign when they become a supporter and that they'll also sign a kind of confidentiality agreement saying that when they're providing this support, they will keep all pertinent information private. Um, so we just drafted the first two documents and they've been sent out to our steering committee um, for input. So all members of my steering committee, I'm looking at you. Um, I need more feedback. We've already gotten one really helpful um, edit back with some suggestions. But again, I'm looking at you guys. You know who you are. Please send back more, um, more 
feedback because we want to get it to a, a really great final edit. Um, and we'll get some, you know, outside feedback as well before we have a final draft. But um, that's that's going really well. So that's another thing we did recently. Um, another thing that we're working on currently is starting to reach out to our state affiliates and use their web pages on the acb.org website as as a place to put some of our information referral resources. Um, so I always love to do a shout out to Sharon Lovern because she deserves so much, so many shout outs for everything she does. And we've, uh, she, I should say, has collected a lot of information that's pertinent to a lot of the questions that we get, the regularly asked questions. And our steering committee is great. They've already identified several of the most commonly asked questions. And so our newest idea is that we'll use the web page of our state affiliates um, to put four or five of those most commonly asked questions, put the links to those resources, the phone numbers, the websites, whatever it might be, directly on those web pages. So Cindy was kind enough to let me come and talk on the last uh, president's hump day happy hour. And I got to talk to several of the presidents about doing this. And for the most part, people seemed really excited about it. Um, so I call it real estate. We have the real estate on these web pages. So why not use it? So again, we're going to identify the four or five most commonly asked questions, which tend to be things like um, you, people who just lost their site and want, you know, their state VR programs or things like that, or they have a legal issue and want their state PNA info. Um, so we're going to use the real estate on those web pages to put that information. So people have another way to get information because, again, Sharon amazingly is answering most of these calls. I'm answering these calls. Kelly's answering these calls. So having another place to let people have access to this would be great. Um, so that's the first one. And then similarly, but in a different way, um, we are the information and referral group, right? That's who we are, the IR and ERPS. And so with all the amazing community events that we've been putting on over the last eight months, our steering committee realized, wow, all these community events are saturated with information. That's like a huge component. Like Cindy was saying um, earlier today, she can um, categorize all her calls into different areas. And some of them are more social, like she said, but other ones are literally just information. They're just full of helpful information for people who need resources. And so we said, why don't we go ahead and put a link on the affiliate pages or the committee pages of ACB that there can be direct links. So say somebody did an awesome uh, community event on education. Well, it's a no brainer. Let's put that under the special ed committee uh, page on our website. So then when people are looking for resources, they can go and it, click on the archives page or the community call page and boom, they're right there at their fingertips. So that's something we're working on right now to archive. I have given all my steering committee members the assignment to find ones to start putting on their pages. So we're working on that right now. But I would encourage everybody that if you are kind of the producer of a community event, that fits really well under some of our most commonly talked about issues. It can be employment, rehabilitation services, transportation, education. Please share that with us so that we can easily archive that under the right affiliate, special interest affiliate or committee page. Because again, this is let's this is information. Let's share it with everybody. Um, and yeah, I think those are the main things. And just 
you know, just looking forward, I know we're talking about goals for the future. I'm really excited to, to talk like we talked about yesterday and hear about plans to, you know, find ways to more efficiently share, you know, our resources in the future. So that's kind of something that's continually continually evolving, um, but just finding ways that we can better, like the archiving of community events, for instance, finding ways where we can really um, store away our information in a nice, formal, categorized, um, structured way that so when people need information, we have it right at our fingertips. I was like, they go, boop, 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 I type it in and boom, there's the information. Um, so that's something we're continuing to work on so that, like Dan's also talked about, we, we have data, we have you know, really um, effective numbers and, and things like that to go to. So that's something we're continuing to work on as well. Um, and that's kind of an overview of what we've been doing in the, you know, recent, recent past. And does anybody have any questions? Thank you, Claire. And, and one more thing before I open it up for questions, I also wanted to announce that uh, Eric uh, has been working with Claire and she has now been designated as our ADA coordinator. So what better than our uh, person in charge of our information referral and peer support steering committee as we grow our community events and other events with inside of ACB, we are getting uh, requests for uh, people who need special accommodations to participate in our events. And so Claire is uh, taking the role on as our ADA coordinator. And uh, we look forward uh, to her professionalism in that area. And uh, it, it's kind of that next step forward for us as we engage in the community more and more. And we're seeing a, a need for ADA services. And no one should be more... Uh, you know, willing to provide ADA services than the American Council of the Blind. So thank you, Claire, exactly. for taking on that responsibility. Of course. Yes, thank you. And any questions for Claire? Hey, Claire, I liked your beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Do you like that? You know, you got to yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Claire, I really like the idea of, of taking the committee pages and the affiliate pages and really expanding those. I, I love the, the phrase uh, uh, unused real estate because it is really true. And I think mm -hmm. we, will, we will not only bring this up related to the state and special interest affiliates, but also uh, our committees where there's really a oppor large opportunity to share information and link uh, to all this wonderful content we're developing. But, by the way, uh, Dan, you introduced me as Claire's officer liaison, which of course I am. Um, I also double as Claire's Zoom meeting facilitator, I think, because she always has me <laughs> set up her meetings for her. Well, you're which good I for you. thoroughly appreciate. Thank you so much, Ray. <laughs> no problem. All right. Um, also, I, I should put out there real quick, like I said, um, brownie points, if people can reach out with any past community calls or events that they want archived on any special interest affiliate or committee pages. Um, eventually, I'm going to devise some kind of more um, formalized way for people to submit those, um, like everything that's in a rolling process. Um, so eventually, there'll be something more formal. But for right now, because I don't want to discourage people not to reach out in the meantime, just email me, you know, saying, hey, Claire, I did X event on X day. And this is the name of it. That's totally fine. So you guys can all email me at cstanley at acb.org. And I will not, I won't say this isn't, you know, formal. Please feel free to reach out. 
And I have to sh- share just a, a personal story that it just uh, through Claire and, and getting an opportunity to help facilitate that, you know, she reached out looking for somebody, uh, a, a gentleman in his 60s, newly blind, looking for somebody to just share and discuss that story with on a one-on-one basis. And we were able to identify somebody and Claire put them together and, um, and this was interesting. I got a call back, not from the person who had made the original request, uh, you know, but the person we had lined up as a facilitator who themselves had just gone blind three years earlier. And they contacted me saying how much that meant to them now to be able to give back and share the experiences that they went through just three years earlier down their journey uh, of blindness. So this stuff is powerful folks. It really does make a difference in people's lives. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Claire. We really appreciate it. And the committee and all the hard work they're doing. Thank you. you. All right. Do we want to break or do we want to keep on rolling guys that we've kind of get, what do you think? Keep going. Keep rolling. Everybody okay with rolling. All right. Let's keep rolling. All right. All right. Next, I would like to introduce our, uh, Public uh, Awareness Steering Committee. Our staff uh, lead is Kelly Gask. Our member lead is Katie Frederick. And our officer liaison is a little different for this one because it just fits so perfectly, is the chair of our Board of Publications, uh, Deb Cook-Lewis. So those are our um, uh, team uh, that, that kind of leads up our Public Awareness Steering Committee. And I'll turn it over to Kelly. Hey, thanks, guys. Um, and by the way, I have to apologize because people in my neighborhood are arriving home and my dogs are barking like crazies in the background. So I apologize if any of them go off. They're not as well behaved as um, all the guide dogs that I know. They're a lot louder. So I thought um, they were you were just people were just howling support for Deb Cook Lewis. That was impressive. It was perfect it was timing. Perfect timing. <laughs> like right when I was about to go. Like, thanks, guys. Um, so anyways, um, and Claire, I'm really looking forward to working with you um, on kind of bettering the website and making use of the committee and affiliate pages. I think that this is something that we've needed to do for a long time. So it's really nice that we have ERPs. Um, that can gather that information for us and really make better use of our website. Um, Regarding public awareness, um, you know, in in general, we've had a a busy last few months, um, especially in the social media sphere. Um, In our public awareness program, we obviously have our own projects that we focus on, but we also exist to support and promote the work that all of our other programs are doing. And as you all have heard throughout this meeting, we have all been quite busy. Um, uh, We've been doing a a lot of really good work and, you know, our public awareness program exists to, to really just, you know, tell everybody, Hey, look at this work that we've been doing. So um, over the last year, we've seen a little bit of an increase in Facebook. We've had about a 12% increase in followers in the last year. Um, Twitter has been doing really well. We've had a 20% increase in followers in the last year. Um, as uh, Eric mentioned earlier, we had the, um, several CVAA events a couple weeks back uh, to commemorate the 21st Century uh, Video and Communications Accessibility Act 
Um, if I said that right, I probably messed that one up, <laughs> but, um, we, you know, are, um, on Twitter, we had uh, a video that we put out, uh, Stevie wonders video that he made for the CVAA events. And, um, that got 8,341 impressions. It got 1,121 engagements and 63 likes and 33 retweets. Um, as Eric mentioned, um, you know, we were able to get some of our corporate partners to um, collaborate with us and um, share this video. Um, it, that's something that's really going to be important for us moving forward at any social media uh, event that we do. Uh, we really want our corporate par partners to help us promote it because they really have more reach than we do and it can help us gain followers in the long run. One of the corporate partners, and this was probably one of the coolest moments I've had in a really long time. Um, I know Tony and I were kind of running around um, giddy when we found out that Tim Cook had actually retweeted the Stevie Wonder video. Um, you know, he is the Apple CEO. He has a million, over a million followers, you know, so he is, um, he has got just a ton of people that, that look at his account. Um, his tweet that he put out, he said, thank you, Stevie Wonder and ACB National. On the 10th anniversary of the passage of the CBAA, we celebrate the brilliant minds and technologies that continue to build a more equitable world. Humanity thrives when everyone has the ability to bring their ideas to life. Um, so really cool to see our name pop up in a tweet from Tim Cook. Um, that tweet got uh, over 33,000 engagements. It got uh, nearly 1,800 likes and uh, about 200 retweets. So it got a huge amount of interaction, and I'm sure the visibility expands even beyond that. And because of that, we've had more visitors come to our YouTube site. We've had more subscribers um, on our YouTube channel, which is just really exciting. So again, you know, anytime that we can work with our corner, corporate sponsors with Sparrow, Microsoft, Apple to really help us promote the work that we're doing is, um, is a really great thing. And, you know, we have been speaking with members from our advisory board um, that, uh, you know, are willing to really help us in the long run. Um, so one thing that we've really done in the past, especially for uh, for uh, our convention, was uh, streaming our events over Facebook Live. Um, you know, I've heard a lot of negative responses about Facebook Live. You know, Facebook says that everyone can watch live videos regardless of whether or not they have a Facebook account. But it's really not as easy as they say. When you try to go view the live video, there's this little pop-up window that asks you to log in or, you know, become uh, a part of Facebook, um, which you know, as a sighted individual, I have difficulty exiting out of. Now, as somebody who's using a screen reader, it's even more difficult to navigate out of um, and get into the live video. And additionally, the um, the scheduling process that with Facebook Live is just really complicated and, and kind of cumbersome. So, you know, we've really wanted to move more towards YouTube Live. Um, YouTube is much more easier to work with um, as far as the scheduling, um, connecting through uh, the Zoom webinar. We use the Zoom webinar platform to connect to all of our videos live. So really, it makes it a, a lot easier for people to access the video. And right, we, we want as many people to access the video as possible. So 
we are really focusing on YouTube live right now. We've tried it out a couple different times. Um, actually this past Monday, we had uh, our spotlight on diabetes. Um, it's our first session of the, the series that we're doing. Um, it aired live. Um, it had uh, Clark and Anthony Corona, along with members of ACB Diabetics in Action. Um, it was really nice to hear Tom Tobin's voice. I have not heard his voice in a little while, um, along with Chris Gray and Randy Knapp. It's my first time meeting him, but he was a really nice guy. Um, and I thought that the YouTube Live video went really well. So um, in the future, we're going to continue using YouTube Live. If there are any ways for us to expand where we can really stream multi-platform, we are definitely going to be looking into that. But for right now, it's definitely a focus on YouTube Live. And another cool thing about YouTube Live is if you tweet out, like their schedule, scheduler is super easy to use. So basically, when you, um, you schedule a video, it gives you a URL. So you can say, hey, go to this URL at this time and you can watch the video. Also, if though, if you post that URL on Twitter, um, it actually will host the video in Twitter itself. So if you're, you're live or it's after the video is over, people can see that tweet, go back to that tweet and, and look at the video, um, which is, is really important and useful. So definitely looking forward uh, to look to working with YouTube live a little bit more. And I got to say from my end, so much less stressful, um, <laughs> a lot less uh, finicky than, than Facebook live is. So it gives me a little weight off my shoulders because I don't have as much uh, anxiety and stress just trying to set up the video. Um, so uh, that's been going really well. Um, additionally, uh, you know, I um, am the staff lead for the Public Awareness Steering Committee. Um, I work with Katie Frederick from the board and Deb Cook-Lewis from the BOP. Um, they are both excellent people, um, and I really enjoy working with them. Um, very brilliant people, and they also put in uh, a lot of really hard effort. Um, so we, uh, we, like the three of us, meet once a month. Um, and then uh, the actual committee itself meets every other week. We've got really great interaction and um, engagement from our committee members. Um, I really love my committee and um, I enjoy meeting with them. We meet at eight o'clock in the morning, which is Eastern time, which means what, 5 a.m. for people on the West Coast. And we have a number of people in our committee that are on the West Coast. So I appreciate them so very much for dealing with um, meeting at that time, because I certainly do not have my wits together at that early in the morning. However, um, Deb and Jeff and everyone else, Denise, everybody can just seems to just wake up right at 5 a.m. I don't know how you guys do it. Um, but with our um, both the smaller meetings for just kind of the leadership team with uh, Deb, Katie and I, as well as um, the committee, we've started incorporating this L10 meeting structure, um, which, you know, at first I was a little like, oh, I don't know what we're getting into, but I actually quite like it like a lot. Um, it adds uh, structure to the meetings um, and it really puts your goals and um, items that you need to do in perspective. Um, the structure guides us to keep our eyes on the goal goals of the committees. We have what, what's called rocks, but there are essentially goals quarterly goals that the committee works towards. Um, and then we have two main goals that the committee is working on right now. I'll discuss one of them 
in just a second. But the other one I'm going to pass off to Deb at the very end of this because it's a really big project that she's been working on and she's going to um, kind of give her perspective and um, her direction as um, chair of the BOP. But the first item that we're working on is um, an events calendar. So we're creating a monthly social media calendar. Uh, we've created a list with events like holidays and other days of celebration or commemoration. And the group really strategize ways that we can join in on these celebrations and also promote the work that ACB is, is doing and has done in the past, uh, like with the CVAA, for instance. Um, we, it takes a lot of work. Um, and uh, one of our, our core values, a lot of collaboration uh, to get these social media initiatives accomplished. Um, the Public Awareness Committee has been incredibly useful and just great at brainstorming ideas for the events. Um, we also work with staff members like Clark, Tony, Eric, um, even our, you know, our communications intern, Anthony Corona, to host um, and engage participants I've always been one of those people that kind of works behind the scenes. So it's really, I'm in awe of anybody that can kind of handle these events and, and get everybody going, get the conversation going and keep everybody on track. So it's really essential to, to have, you know, people that are helping in that sense. And then also we've got, you know, Debbie and Jason from the ACB radio team that will either stream any events that we have live or um, turn these, uh, the recordings from these events into podcasts. So it's really, like I said, you know, public awareness, we're really collaborative. Uh, we work to promote uh, the work of others, but we also have an incredible team of people that help us accomplish the really cool events that we're doing. So thank you to everybody that's been involved um, in all the events public awareness has been doing. You guys are awesome. And it's just, so essential for us to be able to get the word out about, um, you know, everything that ACB is doing and really, you know, uh, just, just give a voice to, um, to our organization and to our members and um, to really let um, the people that follow us on social media know more about the organization. We have a really friendly, happy group of people. Um, I get along with everybody incredibly well on the team. And I find in these events a lot that um, I just love this spirit that we all have. Um, it's just, it's just really great. And I, you know, I'm a little biased. I, I work on the team, you know, but um, I really, I feel thankful to, to be a part of it and um, to do, be a, be a player in all this work that we're doing. Um, Deb, are you um, on the line? I'm here. Okay, awesome. I'm going to hand it off to Deb. Um, she is going to discuss a bit more about the second initiative that we've been working on, which is uh, restructuring some of ACB's email lists, which has desperately been needed for quite some time. Well, I think that depends on who you ask. I've heard some people <laughs> they leave this alone. So, <laughs> um, so one of the just to kind of back up one step on this uh, one of the things that we've really been working on is identifying all of acb's communication channels and i think that kelly's mm -hmm. talked with you some about that before but in the course of that part of that is evaluating the effectiveness of them and um how they uh, interrelate with each other and uh, are they getting us the best bang for the buck and there's been a lot of focus on facebook and 
and um, YouTube and and many other uh, you know channels of communication that we have just begun to to chart the waters on. But one of our old standbys in this organization um, has always been email, and um, we have significant numbers of our members who um, vitally depend on email as one of their primary ways of receiving communication with each other and with the organization. And some of that is changing. Um, certainly the community calls have impacted that and, and other things that we're doing. But still, email is, for many of our members, a really, really um, vital um, methodology for communication and one that we need to take good care of. So um, ACB has um, about a million email lists and um, we will uh, gradually work with a number of um, these and, and try to do some sprucing. One of the things that will be happening, I, I missed some of the meeting this morning, so I don't know if this got mentioned in the groups.io discussion, but um, one of the things that will be happening is that lists that have never been used, and we have some that have never had a post on them, mm-hmm. and a list that uh, have not been used in a very long time, like three years or more, we will be looking to um, delete in that transition. So also in that trend, Deb, we did have a good discussion okay, on that good, this morning. Good. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. good, good. Yep. So also, also in, in that transition, this makes it an excellent time to do the other things we need to do. And the, the two I'm just going to really briefly talk about um, today and, and keep it really at the highest level are ACBL and the leadership list. And um, basically the um, leadership list um, what we would like to do with that is to um, is to take it back to its really back to its original intent. It was very interesting when we pulled up the description of the list. Um, it was actually pretty good, <laughs> and um, and some of the criteria for who would be on the list and how it would be formed and managed um, were mostly really good. And so we've modernized some of those terminologies and and thought processes. But fundamentally, what we're really doing is taking it back to its basic role. And that is to be a leadership discussion list, Um, not necessarily a forwarder list for everything that goes on in the organization, and certainly not a methodology to pass information to leaders that they hope gets passed that we hope gets passed on to members um, we we want to have as much direct communication with the membership as the membership wants to have and so um, so the leadership list will really be becoming a leadership list and um, it will have the uh, the uh, ACB board, officers and board, the BOP, um, committee chairs, staff and contractors, and uh, three leaders selected by each um, state and special interest affiliate. And you don't get penalized if you have a lot of leadership in your state. So, for example, in my state where several of our state affiliate members are here right now, um, you get three plus <laughs> that. Uh, so, so it is, a we hope, a really um, equitable and fair thing. Um, but um, for, for that to be uh, possible, we need the board to take an action today um, to um, allow us to restore that original um, membership um, uh, 
membership uh, group, uh, membership um, roster or type of type of membership configuration, Criteria. I guess is the best Criteria. word. Um, so we we uh, because the board expanded this to be any number of leaders. And as you know, one of the problems we've had with the leadership list is once you go on it, you actually have to be. Um, deceased a long time before you're uh, re- taken off of the list. We need a certain number of bounces of your email to be sure. Uh, so we don't really have a good mechanism right now for um, making sure that the list stays um, active with the current affiliate leaders. And so that's all part of our scheme and all part of our plan. Um, but one of the things we need the board to do is to allow us to restore that original um, membership description because um, we um, it it has um, it has changed over time and it was done as a board action probably should have been a BOP action but because it was a board action we need the board to take action again the other list that we are uh, and it will so it will be a completely new list we're not going to just morph what we're doing we're going to actually close this list down and um, and establish a new list. Um, for leadership with the component people that need to be there. And of course, we'll be inviting the affiliates to um, to participate in figuring out who their representatives on it will be. And we hope to, to, um, to evaluate it annually. So as, a, as a, an affiliate changes or as a committee changes its chair or whatever, we can change that at any time. But the list will basically be reconstituted once a year. So and, that, um, yes. Um, this is Katie, just to add a quick, thing on there too we also want to keep the topics more very relevant. leadership relevant um yes. than they have than they have been so yes that's that's part of the guidelines but overall kind of what we want to do with with a leadership list specifically is really you know if you have an article about leadership or a question about leadership or something like that that is all very appropriate and we want that we want discussion but what we what we are um you know, we, we just want to kind of clean it up, reorganize and, and right. really, really set the conversation on that list to be exactly. leadership driven mm-hmm. in nature. Right. A great example of a, of a topic that was recently on the leadership list was super appropriate was asking how were state affiliates conducting their conventions? That was just such mm-hmm. a great topic and a lot of really good stuff came out of that too. So that's the kind of thing we have in mind now. So where does some of that other stuff go then, you know, all the announcements of your, uh, various events or other kinds of things. So we are also closing the ACBL list as it is known today, and we are going to be opening a new list, which will be called AB- ACB Conversation. That list will have, um, all by uh, it's at its opening, the people who are currently on ACBL and the people who are currently on ACB Leadership will be subscribed to that list with the option to opt out. But we want to really encourage you to give it a chance and not opt out because that is, in fact, where um, any uh, relevant um, blindness topics and, and uh, topics of the organization can be discussed. And that is certainly where we will encourage you to uh, send announcements about meetings and fundraisers and, and the things that are part of ACB that um, have gone to the leadership list and you hoped would get forwarded to the members, but now can go directly to um, all of the members. We have a lot of other guidance about both lists, um, issues around what what should be forwarded and all of that. And um, that's probably more information than we need to go into here today. But what I will tell you is that we do have 
a rollout planned um, right um, around Thanksgiving and just after Thanksgiving um, that we will be rolling out in all of our communication media to talk about the changes and to market them and to advertise them and to encourage people to um, participate with them. We will be recruiting um, some list moderators. The lists will be managed by the Board of Publications, but we, um, we will be recruiting um, some individuals to volunteer to, um, to manage and administer um, the activities um, on the list and to make sure that they are able to stay on topic and, and that um, they um, are going well. We recognize that we will probably not have thought of everything, and so we will be revisiting this on a regular basis. Uh, we will be making tweaks. <laughs> um, the ACB um, an announce list will still exist for um, ACB to be able to send out um, announcements of uh, various natures and um, the, the process of using things like constant contact or other resources that ACB uses will, will still um, be in play. But this is um, the main traffic list where our members, um, all members and friends of ACB um, can exchange information and share information without having to have so much forwarding around and so many duplications of things. And we're hoping that this will make our email process um, a lot more attractive. Um, so what I, what we particularly need though is for the board to allow us to, um, to change the leadership list um, from an unlimited number of uh, participants from each um, affiliate, state and special interest affiliate, to the three that was originally um, designated for this particular list. Um, Madam, uh, 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 Mr. President, um, I would uh, make that motion. I would move that the board rescind the previously adopted motion and return the ACB leadership list to what it was originally intended, specifically that there are three leaders from each affiliate on that list. Right. Plus, plus, plus all the members. Plus all the of committee the, chairs. Plus all the rest of the people that will yes. be. Yeah. Plus all the rest that will be on there, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, three so that, leaders that, from the affiliates. So that yeah. Is, yeah, I wanted to make sure I got that point in there because that's what we changed. Right. That's right. Okay. okay. And, and Katie seconded. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, discussion. Yeah, this is Doug. <laughs> Hi, Doug. Sure, yes. Doug. <laughs> um, I, I, so I have problems with this, um, the leadership list specifically. Um, I remember when we were doing that, when we were only having three people on the list, and it was really difficult to pry the current leaders out to make way for oh, new leaders. We're closing the list, Doug. I'm sorry? We're closing the existing list. So there won't be any prying no, no, out. No, 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 no. But I, I'm saying on a yearly basis, when it mm -hmm. came time to designate the three people at the affiliate level, it was a problem at the affiliate level for people to, you know, for us to mm -hmm. establish whether it should be the same old people who have been on the list or whether it should be some emerging sure. leaders who may not even be have uh, have uh, you know be the president or be the vice president, mm -hmm. sure. um, you know, yeah. and that kind of thing. So um, at, at 
at, um, at minimum, I would suggest that we at least include the first timers and the, um, and the fellows um, as, as designated, you know, uh, emerging leaders, um, uh, you know, as a category that's included. Um, but I would also, I, I, I think that three is pretty restrictive uh, from each affiliate. Well, first of all, um, yeah, what, you know, what th this is, um, you know, is, it's a, a discussion that would have to go back to the, to the BOP since, since some of that would be jurisdictional there too. But I think that one of the things that, um, you know, there's work that needs to be done in the affiliates about, about helping affiliates figure this out, but no matter how many people we set up, it's not going to ensure um, that change. And so um, I find it kind of difficult to think about having, um, you know, ideally if, if a, if a, uh, if a state or affiliate, if an affiliate is supporting, for example, somebody to be a leadership fellow, then and they have to support that. So it, that would make sense for them to, in, you know, to consider that. And that's probably something we need to go back and negotiate with the affiliates, but we kind of wanted to keep the list a manageable size um, because there are already a number of people there, but, you know, I, open for other input on that. Um, as the maker of the motion, I would just say that uh, I would, I would kind of agree with, I would, I would meet Doug a little bit in the middle. I think, um, first of all, Doug, that's an affiliate problem. If they can't, it's their job to really figure out who they want to have on the list each year. And if they decide they want to have the same three people, I don't think we have anything to say about that. However, I do think, the fellows, actually, that's not a bad idea because those are emerging, you know, it's called leadership fellows. And I think that, you know, each year there's only five of them. Uh, now we may have to figure out, uh, we may have to, you know, purge some each year or said some process needs to be figured out for that. But I do think that's actually a really good group of folks to uh, consider including because yeah, we do want them to learn about leadership. Yeah. Here, so we would change them each year, just like we change officers mm -hmm. and committee chairs. Yep. Yeah, and I and I think there's some value in that. Sure. Let me let me ask you as a follow up. Let me ask, uh, what is the problem with the leadership list that we, that you're trying to solve by going back to the basics? I, um, I, well, I part I of the noticed. problem is is that uh, members don't have access to the information that goes out to the leadership list that is general membership information that is not leader related. Um, part of it is the 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 fact that most of what happens on that list is is forwards, not conversation, um, and so it's not really it's it becomes kind of an announcements list, and we would really like to offer the opportunity of a leadership list, and that's why your suggestion, for example, about adding the fellows is is actually a great one. Mm -hmm. So um, I'd be in favor of that, but um, but really the intent is to create a leadership list. And probably what we're not focusing on too much is the change in intent for ACBL, because um, the ACB conversation list is going to be the place where we're going to send all those announcements. So for example, those items that Kelly currently sends to the leadership list that a lot of you are forwarding to your affiliates anyway, we're going to send those to conversation instead. And we want to encourage you to have your, your affiliates your members sign up to that list so that we're not forwarding 
emails back and forth or people aren't getting them or they're getting them five times or whatever the case may be. Because you, you didn't deem that one worthy to forward or you didn't see it. I mean, I'm not, let's not pick on anybody. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, you were gone. And so they didn't get it. So, um, so the idea is to make the list operate for their, whatever their intent is going to be rather than just a place to dump all the information. And it is a big change. So we recognize that in doing this, we're going to have to help people and coach people and guide people and, and deal with those things. But it, it really, I think, will make our um, lists consistent with the way the rest of the communication channels mm-hmm. operate, which is that they are specific to what they do. Madam President. This is, yeah, Mr. We got Jeff and Kim. I, I will say that as as I've kind of been through listening through this process through the BOP and the, and the conversations and public awareness, I really believe what we're going to find is that ACB conversation kind of becomes the day-to-day pulse yeah. of the organization. Right. Yep. That, and that's, that, what we want. that's, that's yeah. where that's the com- quote-unquote mm-hmm. conversation <laughs> takes place. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Now I'll recognize Jeff and then Kim. So Jeff? So I'm sure this will pass, but I'm not voting for it. Um, I remember ACBL in the days when I was on it, before I got off it, and it was just too much. And I think we are, we are creating a system that's going to cause people to decide that they don't want to be on ACB conversation. And you're going to lose some of those people that would otherwise do the forwarding to their affiliates. So for that reason, I'm voting no. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Kim? Okay. Um, I, I wanted to, to indicate that I, I have some concerns about limiting the leader number to three. I feel three is arbitrary. I also feel that it, it's kind of a hard number because, of course, you want to put your president on there and maybe a vice president, and then, then what's left? Okay, you, could, you didn't have your legislative chair or your editor of your newsletter because it was only three. So I don't know what three had to be a matching number for. I, I really think that it should be more people. Um, I think we're trying to bring people into leadership, not restrict them out of leadership. And so I, I feel really uncomfortable about this. I just don't feel like it's, it doesn't feel inclusive. It feels like you're trying to tell people what they can talk about on leadership, what kinds of conversations you want to hear on leadership, um, and who can be on leadership. And it just isn't sitting well with me for some reason. I just feel like it's restrictive. And how is a state like California or Texas or Massachusetts or Pennsylvania supposed to identify three leaders when they're very large affiliates and there's a lot of leadership there. Those just seemed like really hard decisions to say, well, we only have three people and I'm going to choose you, you, and you, and the rest of you too bad. I just don't feel like that's the inclusive ACB that I know. And this feels very restrictive and almost punitive in some ways. So I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in this and I don't feel that I can support this. My yeah. question to yeah. those of you who uh, oppose this would be, how do you get this under control then? We've got to get this leadership list is out of it. Uh, it, it the perception I get 
is that leadership is out of control. I'm not sure I personally agree with that. But... I don't think I agree with that. I don't understand I how don't all either. of a sudden it's perceived as being out of control. But so, it's not here or there to talk about right this minute, I suppose. Right. But Kim, I do want to respond to one thing that you shared, and that is if you take Massachusetts, and I, gosh, I may, uh, may miss some, but Kim Charlson is already going to be on the leadership list. Brian Charlson's already going to be on the leadership list. Carl Richardson's already going to be on the leadership list. Rick Moore's already going to be on the leadership I mean, if I kind of go through that path, uh, you know, I think you're going to find for your larger involved states, you're going to have six to 10 people. You're going to have all the people that are an officer, a committee chair, a, a member of the board of publications, uh, you know, all these uh, other, they, they wear multiple hats. Many of them are already going to be on the leadership list. So we're saying all those people plus three additional people are allowed to be on the leadership list. So I'm perhaps I'm not but sure. I don't, it's that I don't think that would have worked for Massachusetts because our editor isn't our our legislative chair probably isn't. They're not on the board of directors of Bay State Council, so they probably wouldn't even get selected. So I, I just three is such a small number when you look at that. It just doesn't seem very inclusive. Mm -hmm. Well, right now, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, I, I understand your concern, but I do, I, I do think it's, it, you know, we're, we're probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 people that would be on the leadership list. Well, that's about what there is right now. Right. So I'm not sure that there's going to be this huge change. I, I, I think there's very few affiliates that if you look through all this list, have an additional more than an additional three people on the leadership list. I mean, Dan, this is yes. Pat. I have a question. Go, yeah. Go when ahead, you're, Pat. when you're done. Yeah. Go uh, ahead, no, Pat. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. Another, way to, another way to look at this might also be to start enforcing the rules. I mean, if we have 300 and 300 is what we're going to get, then maybe we need to start enforcing what the content should be because I don't remember what it started off with maybe an education piece on that would be good with, Hey, this is what content is going to be allowed on this list. And if that kind of content isn't followed, um, it doesn't get posted. A little more moderation might be in order rather than purging the list. Well, our problem right now, again, it's this, the leadership list is our only vehicle right now. It, it, it truly is for the for the pulse and conversation of our organization. There, there's there's no other place to go. Um, so so what the I'm not team, arguing with you not, there. Yeah, what, right. what the what the team was trying to do. I, I at least appreciate their. I don't think there was any any um, thought of being punitive or restricted. It was to say, how do you how do you create a list where you have leaders that have a chance to have a conversation about leadership issues and, and then take the, the other side of that, which is, you know, all of the announcements and, and uh, fundraising advertisements and uh, affiliate auctions and all that conversation that happens on leadership, which really 
should have an opportunity to be to be promoted out to a larger group, but only goes to leadership. So I don't know if any of the rest of you all get this, but I get a post from Kelly saying there or Sharon saying there's a survey now available or English audio description from uh, the University de Barcelona, I get that six, seven, eight times in my email now because it goes to the leadership list. Then I get three or four special interests, uh, interest groups that have that forwarded to me, a couple of committees and several state affiliates. So it what happens then it just seems like a non it seems like not a very efficient process right now is that more of a moderator task though dan well it's not really a moderator because there's nothing wrong with what's happening on the leadership list itself it's just the only vehicle to get it out to the larger population is to repost it out everywhere because it's like a funnel it's it's because leadership is restricted there, there's there's only a certain number of people who are allowed on it. Mr. President? Yes, Jeff. My problem is a little different, and, and, okay. and in part it addresses what you're saying. Um, the reason that many people got off of ACBL is that list got, quite frankly, way off right. in the tangents that no one wanted to hear. Right. And, and so mm-hmm. it, it became a list that you just didn't want to be a part of in large part. Mm-hmm. I don't have any problem with having a uh, ACB announced type list that goes to everybody that has all these things on it and keeping that off the leadership list. But I do have a problem if the well, if the primary way I'm going to get this is to have to be on a big conversation list. Because the, there you have a whole bunch of emails again, and you have the same problem that you were just commenting upon, except it's not duplications. It's just sort of these threads that you don't want to be a part of necessarily. Well, we True, except we, we have are, no threads there right now. Except we are, we, we are moderating. I mean, right now we almost have, we have very little, if any, activity on ACBL, to be totally honest with you. It, it's really a will. non-functioning there, list. There, there is not much now. Yeah, because I'm, yeah. I'm on it. Yeah, and, and so it, it, it's, it's really not very, it, it, it's not very responsive at all to the needs of our membership. Um, so, so that was the idea. And again, it's supposed to be, again, for ACB conversation, it's supposed to be blindness-related events and will be moderated. You know, right. so very much. Yeah. Yes. And, so and it's not not to become a junk pile where everybody just right. throws anything out there. And again, that's part of ours to be really diligent about the monitoring function. Katie, sure. I just I think you know the, again the initial intent of this is to, as we've discussed, you know, really look at streamlining our communications and what is our strategy behind each list and how is it meeting the needs. So you know, yes, we do want to keep the announced list. We initially had some conversation about. What do we do with that list? But we've 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 discussed it and you know came up with a solution that okay that will be for announcements. But you know when we when we developed the conversation idea, we kind of thought of it as you know where can people go who maybe aren't on Facebook or something or who just you know who want a place to connect, who want that community connection. So you know Jeff, if if that's not you, you you don't have to be on it. You'll still get announcements from the announce list and you'll still get 
relevant leadership posts. Um, you know, it's, it is a, a truly voluntary list. And so um, we, we just want to make it a place for all ACB members and friends where they can come and, you know, learn about what's, what's going on and, and get our information. But we, we are looking to, again, to really bring these lists back to their true function of, you know, leadership is for leadership topics, not, not sending out announcements about your, your, you know, um, state convention or, or something, you know, really making it leadership relevant. And, you know, the, you know, a list oh. like announce would be, would be for announcements. Um, so, you know, again, just really going back to what is the intent of, of the lists that we have and, and what, you know, how are we using these, these channels to best communicate to our audiences? Katie, Mr. Chair, Denise and then Kim. So okay. uh, Denise, go ahead. You know, I guess it really disturbs me when, I mean, there is nothing that says that if you are on the leadership list, you can't forward leadership information to the people in your affiliate you want to do that, that should have access to that information. If you want and it to. just, yeah, well, it disturbs me that if you're going to, you know, if you're going to take on being an officer or on the board of your state affiliate and <clears throat> your president or whomever is determining who those three individuals would be, and if there are other individuals like a legislative chair or whomever that should be getting that kind of information, it just seems to me it should be part of your responsibility to submit, send that on. You know, we're adults and I don't think we should be handholding everybody because they don't want to take responsibility for doing something that they should do. Put me in the queue too, Dan. Uh, uh Kim, Kim was next and then Ray. I, I just had a question for Katie or Deb about the announce list because Deb, you didn't really talk about what was going to happen to it. And the last time I saw any numbers for that list, they were quite low. So I don't know how effective of an announce only list it can be if it doesn't have very many people on it. Well, people have to choose so, to subscribe, right? I yeah. mean, that yes. would be a choice and, and in this course of change. Go ahead, Katie. No, announce is going to be, it's going to be next on our roadmap of, of doing these. Okay, lists. so it wasn't part of, it's not part of what we you're asking for right now. Yet. One we of have the, not, no. yeah. One of the problems with announce, um, well, let me, let me put this in a different form. Um, we've been, the office has been sending out information that it deems of a certain level to, through it through the constant contact. So a lot of things that have been announcements are going out that way. And obviously people can unsubscribe from that, but the intent of that is that every, every member uh, has the ability to have access to that if they wish. So um, the, the problem with making that the general announce list is that it's um, impossible for everyone to get their announcement <laughs> to the office to go through constant contact, that would be a deluge in that. So we, we have to figure out how we want to manage the announce list as it, as it exists, because it's currently not a free posting list. I mean, everybody can't just post to it. Otherwise, it's not an announce list anymore. 
Um, so we have to figure out, we, we have heard that people would, would like for that to maintain. We assume that if that becomes a major place for announcements, that people would, would then want to subscribe to it. Right now, there's no need to because I'm subscribed to it. And I can tell you there's nothing that goes to it that doesn't go to eight other lists. So, but if, if I needed to be there, you know, um, to get certain information, um, so, so part of the goal in, in the list management piece is to reduce the number of duplicate, duplicate posts. It may mean more lists. I mean, people may be subscribed to more things, but we'd like people to get things once or maybe twice if, if someone deems that, that I really need you to make sure you saw this, you know. And, and as Denise said, you know, if you are a leader and you want to forward something to any or all of your of your members uh, obviously you no one's going to ever prevent you from doing that but we'd really like to see members have access to most of what goes out on the leadership list is not current is currently not information that is privy to leaders most of it is stuff that you want your members actually to have but it's going through the narrow end of the funnel not the wide end of the funnel so you know, there are two different pieces of discussion here. There's, there's the piece of what, what is the purpose of the lists. Um, and, and one of the reasons that we are actually closing ACBL is exactly the point that Jeff has been making, which is that, oh, it's a horrible experience. Well, it's, it's probably a horrible experience now for some different reasons, um, but it isn't high traffic. So, um, so we want to manage the traffic, manage the flow. That's why we're going to have several moderators um, uh, working with each list and, and managing, managing all of that. But the, the real issue that we started on was whether, whether, your appointment to leadership fundamentally is your appointment to the leadership list lifetime. And if it's not, then um, what guidance are we giving to the affiliates about that? So there was a lot of discussion in the steering committee and in the BOP about whether it was three or whether it was a larger number or whether it was any number, but fundamentally some of the question was, Part of Doug's question, which is how do people even get an opportunity to ever rotate or do we just keep adding people and it doesn't matter and the whole organization gets subscribed to it eventually? I mean, I'm not trying to be flip about that. I'm just saying how, you know, so we set up a place. It was probably somewhat arbitrary. There was a lot of discussion, um, but we did set a place about that because at some point we wanted to ensure that the leadership list wasn't just growing and growing and growing. Was it actually, you know, leadership and was there a review point? So they went back to the three. That was the general consensus. Um, but I don't, I don't know that three is a locked in number. That was the number that the BOP, you know, is, is, is recommending um, and asking the board to change back. But, uh, you know, obviously, you know, that's all up for negotiation. But, you, but in thinking about that, the question really is, how do, we, how do we ensure the people on the leadership list are leaders? Because I know that right now, some of the people who are on the leadership list are not in any leadership capacity in any affiliate. 
Yeah, and I don't think the three honestly is is a no. hill to die for. If if Not we think all. four or five is a better way to go, so we're inclusive. I, I don't think anybody we can take. We'll have to take it back to the BOP for them to reapprove. But I don't see that as uh, it, the, the concept here is that leadership becomes the place where we discuss leadership issues, and the conversation list is the place where we have we kind of have the conversation around ACB. That that's the. The kind of the differentiator, I think. So, Doug. yes, Doug. Dan, Dan, this is Pat. Oh, I'm sorry, Pat. Pat, Pat yeah. was supposed to be next, and then Doug. I'm sorry. I about thought that. I was Thank supposed you. to be next, but that's oh, okay. I'm sorry. Oh that's gosh. Okay. okay, okay. Ray, and then Pat, and then Doug. So, okay, go okay. ahead, Ray. All, all I'll say is that um, I, I actually, um, I'm actually going to oppose my own motion, and I would like to have this reconsidered. I think, I think there's some ways that um, I, I do agree with Kim about the, you know, as I'm hearing more about the inclusivity and uh, frankly, I, I don't, I, I, I really want to see the bigger issue of keeping this leadership related uh, addressed. I think that's the bigger issue in my mind and whether a number is, um, you know, if we can get the, get that done, I'd like to see that take handled first, and then let's figure out what an appropriate number, if there is an appropriate number for affiliates to do. And I think then we can also educate our affiliates and say, hey, this is a good opportunity for you to put emerging leaders like your legislative chairs, like your newsletter editor, whoever on the, uh, on the leadership list. Uh, I, I, I'd like to see us, let's get the list uh, to, you know, back to more of a leadership conversation. And then let's come back and have this, if we can, let's come back and have this discussion about, uh, is there an appropriate number that we need to put on? That, well, I, 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 this is Dan, I, I just only would respond. I'd like us to pick a number today. I don't mind if that's five instead of three, but what we need to get started somewhere and then we can always modify. I, I, the goal here is not to eliminate or restrict anybody, but, but we, we do need to have a rule. You know, it's not like you can just invite 30 people of your affiliate to join the leadership list. We, we need- if I had to pick a number at this point, I'd say five. And that and that doesn't include the the. I think that's fine. That doesn't five, include board. I'm of, not including the president of the affiliate. So that's six, right, which basically. is already on the list. Yeah, because yep. that's already another list. So I, I if, if you want to propose your own friendly amendment to go to five, and we'll see I, if the second I, I, is good with I, that. I will do that. I will okay. Do that. And who was the seconder? Was that Katie? Yes. Katie, would you be okay with going to five? Um, yes, I think that's okay. reasonable. And then we, we would need to, I guess, take this back to the BOP, correct? But take oh, the back yeah. to, to the BOP for, for, they'll have a meeting here. Uh, well, Deb will make sure that the BOP. Oh, well, I'll figure that part out. Figures yeah. that out. Okay. All right. So now, uh, so we now, now the, the motion has been changed to all the groups that we already have an ACB plus up to five additional uh, affiliate members. Okay, now Pat. And I'll make mine very quick. I would just agree with Ray. It's not about the number so much as it's about the content. And it's about people understanding what the content needs to be and the rules around that content. So when content strays, then um, 
we pull it back in and moderate and say, I'm sorry, this can't be posted. This belongs over to that list over there and not the, this list here. I think that I, if we're going to do this, I would also think we want to educate, going back to what Kim said, to um, people about what content on leadership should be. Right. Maybe we it's a Tuesday a topic for Paul or, or something like that. No, I think it would be a good topic. Yeah, yeah, we do we have that all planned out. We do uh, have yes. a plan to do that. Whatever, a whatever series of it. communication yes. steps. Mm -hmm. Yes. Very yes. good point, though. Very yes. good point good. there, Pat. Very okay, uh, then was Doug next? Yes, please. Okay, Doug. Um, so uh, we haven't addressed the issue that the issue is. So we, we've said we want a conversation list. That's fine. We want, said we want a leadership list that only talks about leadership topics. That's fine. But we haven't addressed, you know, the issue of where do people announce their meetings and their their conventions. They will announce them on the conversation list. Well, I don't think I, I think we're saying that that's not gonna that's not a really good solution. We need to try. I would like us to try it. Mm -hmm. I I I think we should decide if it's not a good solution after we try it, because we are pr proposing to also place the same level of moderation on the conversation list that we are proposing to place on the leadership list. And so it will have traffic. I, I find it interesting that it feels to me a little bit like the board doesn't want to hear what the membership has to say about things. I think it would be very instructive for all of us to be on that list and generating good, positive conversation with our members. I realize that tangents can start, tangents need to be moderated, um, off-topic things need to be moderated. Um, did the board get the document that we... Um, um, yes. yes, it is. It is in the in your in your packet is in your in in your packet in the Dropbox. There is discussion of, for example, what is appropriate and not appropriate on the conversation list. And, for example, one of the really key items that goes away is the constant reposting of items from non-ACB lists, which might be of interest to somebody, but they have their own lists, right? So just even that traffic reducing. So I guess what I'd really like to ask the board to do, I mean, I think we can sell the BOP really well on the, on the five and you're concerned about that. And we might even decide to not have a number at all. I mean, at some point or whatever, I, I think that's all possible. But I guess if we don't actually try something, we don't know whether it has worked. And I would just ask you to let us try it. It's something that, you know, this is within the kind of the purview of the of the BOP. So, you know, it, it's up to us to manage it and to get feedback from you and from other people and make adjustments. And we will continue to work on how to deal with the announce list, but we really do have a problem with the announce list because of how do you get announcements to it? So we have to figure out how that works. And in the meantime, the conversation list would get this potentially directly to our members along with the information that the um, national office currently sends out on its own um, via, it, via its constant contact list. Dan, put me in the queue. You've got three or four other people in there, but 
No, um, I, I think, Mark, you might be next, but I want to ask Ray for one more friendly amendment because I heard one more thing that came up, and that was to include the J.P. Morgan Chase uh, oh, leadership yes. fellows, yes, those yes, folks. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes, That's I will definitely include that. Okay. <laughs> definitely yeah. include that. Okay. Right. All right. Then with that, I'll go ahead and turn it to Mark. So it seems like at least once a board meeting, I get to ask the really dumb questions. So somehow in the course of this conversation, I have misplaced the problem that we're trying to solve. Would somebody please answer the question, what is the fundamental thing that is not working now that you think this solution is supposed to solve? Uh, this is Dan, I'll, I'll try for two things. One, this is, this is a, at least one of the examples that really made me feel like our leadership list uh, was broken is uh, when I first became president, uh, I had promised many uh, committees and, and, and part of the people, uh, you know, as I went through the caucuses to run for president, that if I got elected president, I would send a uh, an announcement out to let people know that we were welcome all all members who wanted to be considered to be on ACB committees. And so, of course, my first natural approach was to put that out on the leadership list. That's where you communicate with ACB. That's how you communicate with your leaders. That's how you get the word out to your membership. And I put that post out on the leadership list, and I had 10 people, a total of 10 people, who contacted me and, 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 and expressed an interest in joining a committee. I then reached out to Eric and Kelly and said, I'm really disappointed with this response. Can I make a put a, can I put a, a post out on constant contact? I put a, con, a post out on constant contact that went out to our 4,500 members that we have emails for, which is, you know, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination. I received a hundred responses within the next week of members of this organization who wanted to be involved in ACB committees. And it blew me away. And it let me, it, it, it just hit me right in the face that right now our leadership list, for whatever reason, does not really cascade down to the majority of our membership. Uh, so that, that to me is one of the major problems that we're trying to solve. Where people can have a conversation. Yeah. I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. So what I guess my question back to you, Dan, would be mm -hmm. if you, if you have the ability now and you solved that problem by reaching out via constant contact, isn't it really a question of maybe some of these folks have already asked this question tonight. Maybe it's a question of how you don't obviously want to use that constant contact list for everything, but right. having yeah. a very selective, but don't we already, it, it sounds do to me that. like we already have the tools in hand to do what we need well, to do. Well, and that was part of the conversation. So we have mm -hmm. that tool and what I've heard over and over again, in order for that to have reach, you can't overuse that because right, if you over communicate on it you're going to lose that as a mm -hmm. as an opportunity to communicate and so how how do we then in, include more people in the conversation and that was 
the idea, at least, that the Board of Publications and the Public Awareness Committee had come up with was to create this ACB conversation list that had the leaders plus uh, the members who were interested to be I'd be involved. interested in the in the Debs and other folks on this call to, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, not sure. argumentative. I just genuinely, no, no, no. I don't know the answer. So it, is it possible that another reason why you got the response that you got is because using the constant contact system means that I, as rank and file member, are getting a message directly from Dan Spoon and I'm not on some list somewhere. And people have a tendency to you know, once you subscribe to a list, yeah, I'll get to the list serve stuff when I feel like it. I mean, isn't that an element of this? Well, that's Mo- always most possible. certainly could be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could oh, be. Sure. yeah. But I think the real issue is that um, I, I uh, as part of our work through on like what we've been working on this for months. So as part mm-hmm. of the work through on that, we did an analysis of what gets posted to leadership list and to be honest with you, it's pretty much an announced list. So if we, one of the things that I think we could sell to the BOP in terms of a phased in approach about this is if we started, and I think some of you've kind of said some of this. So if we can try this, I would like to propose to you that we, that we orchestrate the list changes in format and mode without actually making any change to the subscription of the leadership list. So we reconstitute the ACBL list as we have proposed. I haven't heard too much objection to that. So we we do that and then we route the traffic differently so that and, and we, of course, do the training and provide the information about where things go. And I, I mean, that absolutely has to be a given. It has to be a, a saturation thing. And we support people in getting their messages to right places. And we try just the d- differently directed messaging um, and see you know, where that gets us. Because what I hear is resistance to something, which is the ACB conversation that we haven't tried at all yet. And then I hear separately the, the concern of, of, you know, of the leadership thing. And, and I guess I would say, you know, our members, we have a big Facebook community of our members. I don't know how many of our board are active in that community, that's, that's a great way to get information because we want to make sure that the same kinds of information becomes available in both communities. We don't want to try to, so if that works better for you than have being in the email community, that's a okay with me. But I sure think as leaders, we need to be in part of, in some community somewhere. And some of us, I'm kind of one of these prefers it to be email. I'm, I do Facebook, but I don't want to sit there and read Facebook all day. So I would, you know, prefer it be email. And that's one of the reasons I've been willing to kind of work on this and champion it. But we certainly could try the redirection without making any, any membership changes um, in leadership, at, at least initially, and then come back and see whether that still would help us or, you know, tr- and remake the case for that. But I do want to make the 
directional changes because then that helps us mm-hmm. sort out how much traffic there really is in any of these places and whether we are directing the traffic correctly and whether we need to modify that. And, and those are modifiable things that we can do without a lot of disruption to individuals. Well, this Mark, the only thing I'll, I'll say is I, I, I think, I don't know, I think it was Jeff, it seems like forever ago since it's the, somebody said uh, that they don't really see the, the, the failure or the problem with the leadership list. I'd, I'd love to see more content come out of it, honestly. Um, I don't see that there's necessarily a problem with it. Um, I don't know if responsiveness on the part of our people is a challenge, then smarter communications and marketing folk should put their head in. It sounds like we've got plenty of them uh, working on it, uh, could, can put their heads together about how to get our people to respond. If that's the problem, when we ask for help or ask for feedback or ask for volunteers. It's about people getting information too, Mark. Currently, our members are largely dependent on a handful of people to get information to them. Unless we just flood you know, the, but every time we have an, an event, every time, I mean, all of these state conventions have been out here for people to participate in. And, and you know, to a large extent, uh, most, uh, a lot of the significant information on that has, for example, gone to leadership. It hasn't trickled its way down. And- Which is my point. So, so if the problem is that we do not have people who are responsibly playing their leadership role, on the leadership list to smartly decide what things need to be passed on or gee, this message was intended for me as a leader in my leadership role, but this isn't necessarily something for me to pass on. Maybe we need to encourage them to do that. I, I, I just, yeah. And, and I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if was other to try to bypass from I, I think, I think part of the other thing that is, is pushing my buttons, honestly, is that, I'm hearing a passion for needing and and a sense of urgency about needing to make these changes that I don't think a lot of us are seeing. Um, I'm not entirely sure that, that there is such a a sense of my gosh, if we don't do this, we're, we're, we're leaving ourselves continuing to leave ourselves exposed in some fashion. Anyway, I, I would just encourage us to maybe do take some sort of interim step for the time being. Let's not commit any sort of hardcore thing that we might have to undo and and let's let's you know look i don't follow this nearly the way as closely as others do i I, i'm just reacting i think to the conversation it just feels to me like gee whiz maybe there are some other things we could do that will um not be uh upset the apple cart or otherwise make people feel like we're taking something away or fundamentally changing something I'm just not seeing that sense of, my God, we, we better do something or else. Well, we've actually been working on this for a year, Mark. So it's not yeah, like it just suddenly happened. Yeah, I, it, this is typical ACB. Go, go work on it and, and have people put all kinds of effort into it. And then after a year, oh, my God, were we talking about the email list? Come on. Everybody well, on this I, board I, I, knows we've been talking about the email list for a better part of a year. Apologize, I think that's Mark. not yes, but that's but that's not the issue. The issue isn't how long y'all have been working on it or how long someone has had an idea to do something. We could work on something for five years. 
if, if the issue isn't an acute problem in five years or one year or 10 years, if that's really not the issue. The issue is where, why do we feel like this is somehow some acute challenge right now that can't possibly be solved in some other ways? I, I, th- we, we've talked about different approaches, things we can maybe communicate out, uh, dealing with the content that goes out on the list. So that's why, um, I, Mr. Are Mr. We Chair? Uh, is that Denise? Yes. yes. <clears throat> Go ahead. Okay, I'm just going to speak for me personally, not as a board member or anything else right now. There are messages that I get from leadership list, from ACBL, from ACB convention, from um, from our um, uh, I can't remember the name of the list. <laughs> <laughs> the one that goes out over constant comments. Uh, constant contact, yeah, yes. So I'm getting these messages five times. I'm getting to the point that I'm getting so many messages that I don't even want to open my email. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And that's what we're trying to do that's is to, to, do. Exactly. to streamline exactly. that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Exactly. that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Yeah. It really is the very bottom line. Yeah, yes. it really is. That, really it, it. that if individuals want information directly, that unless it is privileged information of some kind, that they should be able to have it directly, that we shouldn't be so top down. We shouldn't mm-hmm. do the narrow or we would like to not do the narrow funnel where it has to pass through a leader to get down. That is part of our problem. And then the multiplicity of it all. So if everything has one place it comes from and the people who need to get it can get it, um, you know, I think we'd be really happy. Besides what comes out of that list? Who, Eric, who, who would make that decision? Uh, Eric, go ahead. Well, I, I would just say this goes back directly to the communications discussion that we had last mm-hmm. night with Kate. This, yeah. is, there, You asked the question, why now, Mark? Well, we, we've been working with Kate Vendimio on this communications plan, and it, is, it has become very clear Hell, it became clear three years ago when we did our strategic plan and the communications component of it came out and we had like 25 communications channels and Kate identified, I think, what, 33 guys? Isn't that what you like that? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so this comes back to, to us doing an effective job of communicating uh, either the work of the organization or identifying um, you know, ways for members to engage in, in conversation. So, um, you know, having 33 channels of which our email plays a big role, um, in those, and there are a ton of redundancies. Actually, Kate talked about redundancies last night. These are, we're, we're experiencing redundancies we're turning people off um, that are on these email lists. I'll be frank with you. I get turned off by seeing all of these things reposted um, at times. It, it, you know, you just, you read the first one, then you delete the next four. Right. So let's just, let's be honest about this. Um, You know, whether or not we come to a decision today, um, we're all on a lot of different lists inside the organization, which some could say is its own challenge, but it's also part of our culture and communication. So how do we, how do we go about dealing with this 
in a way where we can attempt to streamline something um, and, and not just keep doing something just because it's the way we've always done it. That's not a great answer either. Mr. Chair. Yes. Right. Um, okay. <clears throat> let, let's, let me bring us back <laughs> as they do in the L10s, bring <laughs> us back to the main thing we're trying to do here. We're trying to, we have a motion on the floor to decide if we're going to change the leadership list to include the leadership fellows and up to five people from an additional affiliate. Um, plus all our other AC. Plus all leadership. the other folks that we, leadership that we have on there. So we have to, we have to decide what we're going to do with that. We can vote that up. We need to vote that up or vote that down. Beyond that, folks, we have, the, the, the BOP is a representative body of this membership and we need to give them a chance to put some things forward as they've done and try some stuff out. I agree wholeheartedly with Deb. We've got to try some stuff out and not have this approach of, oh, we've always done it that way. Let's keep doing it that way. It, we'll never change anything if we do that. And we are about change. And we heard last night, as Eric just so eloquently stated, that there are way too many communications channels. Now, I've heard from people of my own affiliate, you know, well, I get something four or five times and you know, and my response is use the delete key, <laughs> but yeah, it makes it, it's, it, it, it's time consuming. And I, and I think, I think, I think, I think we've got to make the decision about the leadership list that's articulated in this motion. Let's make that decision. And then beyond that, let's let the BOP do its work and try the conversations. Let's, I frankly am glad that we're going to skip the forwarding off of there so that people can, 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 you know, you know, have real conversation and then get leadership back to where it needs to be. And uh, I think that let, let's, let's give the BOP a chance. And if we find out in three months, six months, that it's not working out, we can come back to the BOP and say, Hey guys, this isn't working out. Uh, you need to try something else. And right. that's no, what I think Dan, we need to do. No, no decision. Dan, uh, who, who, who Kim. Yes, Kim, Kim, please go ahead. So I'm, I, I would just like to ask for clarification because um, I think Deb put forth kind of a compromise from her perspective. And I wondered if she would kind of restate what she had said about yeah, moving forward. You know, I, I want to be sure I know what you were offering as a compromise because I think it impacts how I would vote on the motion. Yeah, sure. me too. Okay, so um, let's see if I can go back that far. <laughs> okay, yeah. what I believe I offered based on um, what everyone was saying is that we would like the opportunity to make, the, the reason I, I started that by asking you if you had the document in your folders, which described the definitions revised and the kind of the ground rules revised that we have worked through so far. Um, for these lists. And what I would like to do is um, propose that we implement them with all the training and, and hoorah that it ought to have and publicity that it ought to have through the 33 communication channels. Um, and, and that we not deal yet with the membership of the leadership list, that we postpone that discussion um, and um, and 
not have it right now. I, I would like a way at some point, but I would be willing to postpone this too. Um, I would like a way to, to have a way of reviewing. I think some affiliates don't even know who from their affiliates on the leadership list, probably just because some people have been there so long. And this whole thing of who's going to be included just goes out forever and ever. I, I got a text while we've been sitting here that says, well, I want past presidents to be automatically mm-hmm. on the leader. Well, you know, so we're going to get, we're going to get lots of input about that for sure. So I, rather than decide anything about that, I would like to actually move on the content piece and make the changes to the lists, which means that ACBL would close, ACB conversation would be created, leadership would not close and be recreated at this very moment. Um, we we um, would probably, um, it's, I, I'd like to still work through a process with affiliates for them to be identifying whether the people they have on leadership are the people they want on leadership. Um, but aside from that, I would, I would be really open to postponing that piece of the discussion for um, an interim period. And I would like to move forward with making the list changes because I think we can make them without that piece right now. Then I, if that be the case, Deb, this is, I, I think this is what you're asking for. I would be agreeable to withdrawing my motion at this point. After all this, withdrawing my motion and allowing, and allowing the BOP, you guys, to make the list changes. And I guess what I would like to hear, though, is a date certain by when you would want to you know, plan to evaluate and see how effective they've been. And then, you know, maybe come back to the, because there is going to have to be a board decision about the leadership list because of what we did a few years ago. At right, some point. right. So yeah. if, before we can make any change about that, we have to have that, but we don't have to have that too. Yeah, I, I think we would make the motion to keep the list, but ab- allow for an analysis of, of the leadership list. Who, are we including the members of the board, the committees, the BOP, you know, who, who we've got on this list? plus then other people who are additional that are on the list right now that would not fall in that category. So we can at least have an analysis of who's there. Cause I honestly believe right now we have people on the list that have not been committee chairs or even are associated with affiliates that have been since disbanded that are still on our leadership list right now. But, but let's start out with everybody stays, but then we come back in February with an analysis of who's on the list, if that would be. Mr. President. Yes. Jeff, let Ray make the motion first and, well, and Katie I think, second. I think all I do is need to withdraw the previous yeah. motion. Okay, yeah. you're withdrawing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we need a motion. Now we need a new motion. Actually, you don't because you're in the BOP's jurisdiction with just the changes of the list. I think. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. It would that, feel more BOP's. comfortable if we so could have a general consensus or something right. in the motion yeah, in the I, minutes that would reflect our position. Yeah. And then I can vote no. As you, as you, <laughs> as you, as you, as you let you speak, Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think that that would be, I mean, we should have something. Right. Know. So I'm going to ask Ray to make a new motion. Okay. So what I'll do is, that, um, and Deb, correct me if I'm wrong. I will move that the board endorse the BOP moving ahead 
with the list changes that they are proposing and maintaining the current membership of the leadership list and undertaking an analysis to make sure we've got the right people on that leadership list. Or just uh, just an analysis yeah, just of who's on the list. Understand who's statement to be reported and to be reported back at the February twenty twenty one board meeting. Thank you. All right. Katie, are you willing to second that motion since you were in the role to start with? Yes. Okay. All right. Now, Jeff, you had a, a discussion. Yeah. Now I'm totally so, confused. I'm still voting no <laughs> because I honestly don't think it is impossible or even that difficult to figure out a way to do an announce list that can be an open announce list with specific definitions as to what you can post and what yeah, you can't. And that's really what I think would be the better approach. And so I'm voting no on this particular motion. But I appreciate everything that the BOP is trying to do. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. Dan, could uh, I ask for clarification? Yes, please, Pat. Thank you, because I had Dan and Ray talking at the same time. I couldn't figure out what was being said. Ray, are you, are you indicating that we're looking, we're not doing anything with the numbers of the people on leadership, but we're looking at moderating the content? In yes. other yeah, words, we're, we're, going we're, back to original. There's three, really three, three bullets, I'd say. Number one, we're going to allow BOP. To, we're going to endorse BOP because we, they can do this if they want to. We're going to endorse the BOP making the changes to the, as they propose to the, you know, creating the ACB conversation and uh, the ACB leadership list. We're not going to take anybody off the leadership list, but then the third bullet is the BOP will do an analysis and report of who is on leadership and, you know, make sure we understand who's there and, you know, are, are the right people there and that kind of thing to be presented to us at the February 2021 board meeting. It would be kind but of my, Okay, but my question, wait a minute, no, my question, Ray, was, are we going to change the content that is now appearing on the leadership list so that yes. the appropriate yes. leadership content. Yes. yes. So yes. that's yes. the fourth bullet. Okay. That, that's, no, that part of the bullet. that's part that's of BOP of... making the list changes. Right. Gotcha. Right. Understand. Basically, okay. The list changes that are in your packet with the exception of the change in the leadership list um, number commitment yeah. uh, number yeah. numbers, but all of the other changes we would okay. to make. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Understand. Thank you. Everybody. Would you all be comfortable with me calling the question? Yes. All right. Yes. All right. yes. Hearing no objection. All those favor in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? No. No. Okay. I heard two no's. I think they were Jeff and Mark. Uh, do you want to be recorded as no in the meeting minutes? It doesn't matter. No. I don't need to be. Okay. All right. Just wanted to make sure for clarification purposes for Denise. You thought it'd be fun, Dan. Yeah. Yes, Kim. We <laughs> um, were on for, schedule. For, for, I would, Deb, I would offer to help a little bit with the analysis of the leadership list. I do have some lists um, of who is on and who they are. Um, I haven't, you know, I, I have maintained, you know, adding and taking away when asked um, up to this point by, you know, affiliates or Dan or whoever. Um, so 
We can, I, yeah, we'll be able to know, get a current printout of the list. I mean, I know, I know who is or who isn't, but I know there's a, there's most of the names on the list are labeled, but yeah. there, there yeah. certainly are emails there that sure. would not give you a clue as to who they are. Yeah, and, no, we'll definitely and, check in with you about. And that. those kinds of people, I mean, there's people on there that I would concur with you. I, I do not know who they are. Because some of them I do know who they are, but that's the problem. But if we if we put our heads together, perhaps we can figure out who some people are. So, and I think this is kind of an impact. That's great, Kim. And I think this is really about impact too, because when we do the analysis, then we'll tell you, okay, so if you if you did um, choose to to allow us to limit it, what would that impact look like right now today? Right, and and I can tell you, you know, this person was put on, you know when and yeah. by who yeah. and that kind of stuff. I mean, I don't have that kind of records, but I kind of remember a lot about. Sure, I'm sure things, you do. So. Yeah. No, exactly. That's yeah. fine. That sounds great. Okay. That's great. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, can, thank can you I su- all. Can it, I suggest, it, this is Doug, I'm sorry. Yeah. Can I suggest yeah. that, I mean, because the, the leadership list is not the only problem. No, that's um, where we're starting. Yeah, no, I understand. But I think we can start creating a, a new culture by asking people, you know, first of all, asking anybody who's a member of any, uh, you know, any affiliate, be it geographic or, or special interest, to join the conversation list. Absolutely. And, and then also request that people not uh, post advertisements for yeah. things yeah, on multiple, you know, multiple. Now, read our list. guidelines. You'll I'll see that the that's all very. Yeah, but let, let the BOP do their job. Well, it's all there. Yeah. I mean, it's serious, all there. I don't yep. interrupt you at all. But read what we've put, and if I you did have, read what you put, and it's there. It says you can't advertise at all, other right. than ACB related events. That's Period. fine, but, but this the the scope of our discussion was the only it was two lists, and I'm asking for the content. To start, that we start talking about the content um, uh, beyond those two lists. We will okay. be moving along to others. Yes. Thank Great. you, Doc. Okay. Now, uh, and thank you, Public Awareness and Kelly Gass, uh, Katie, and Deb for your report related to public awareness. It was very lively and an excellent discussion. Thank you. I, I think and we thank should you charge for... people to attend these discussions. I think there will be one <laughs> hell of a fundraising event. We, 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 we this, this is kind of like, uh, you know. The BOP meeting occasionally because we. Yeah. Yes. And, and in fact, discussion. Deb, I, I did see a request out there uh, to make uh, the BOP meetings uh, available on, on ACB, ACB radio. radio. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, because seriously, if you with all of this discussion has been chopped over for a long time there and we'd welcome any of you to and our agendas always go out uh they'll go out to a different place now but all of our agendas <laughs> all go out and or fewer copies of them i think is what it is because i currently yes. about three and uh-huh. one so right. basically though i really do want to encourage you when stuff like this is on our agenda we are trying really hard to do work and we really would welcome your input there as well as we do mm-hmm. welcome it here too but i you know this has been out there to know and we've had it on our dang agenda so long i, I feel embarrassed <laughs> but we now would love to stream these meetings uh, all right 
Uh, so we'll work, we'll work with Deb and Deb to get them streamed in the future for the BOP. I think that's an excellent Yay. suggestion. Yay. All right. So next, uh, we have two steering committees still to hear from, as well as selecting uh, our executive committee members in executive session. It is now approximately 610. Uh, we were on uh, our course to finish at seven. Do we wish to take a quick break or no. do wish no. everyone wish to charge on? That's why, the, that's why the good Lord invented the mute button. Okay. So those of you who need to excuse yourself for a minute, I do not think, Go on that, mute for uh, I don't think Tony will be offended uh, as we move on to the <laughs> development and fundraising steering committee. Uh, which the presentation will be by Tony Stevens, uh, the staff lead for the development the fundraising steering committee is Tony Stevens. The member lead is Dan Dillon and the officer liaison is David Trott and Tony, uh, we welcome your presentation. Hi everybody. Thanks, Mr. President. I, uh, if you do hear kids screaming in the background, I can guarantee they will be my children. Um, <laughs> in terms of uh, making 20 minutes shorter, I will gladly entertain in the spirit of fundraising uh, anybody for every minute I go under my allotted time, feel free to add another dollar to your MMS monthly contribution donations. Um, <laughs> we, you know, it, it, in all seriousness, uh, we will be talking a little bit about MMS. We're going to be talking about a lot of things over the next few minutes. I'll try to be brief, be brilliant, be gone as always. So here we go. Let's charge forward. Um, it has been, as David mentioned earlier, a heck of a year. Uh, and we have been extremely fortunate. Wall Street Journal said back in August, one third of nonprofits risk shutting their doors as a result of the pandemic. Uh, we have been extremely fortunate that we have not had to lay off staff, uh, that we have been charging forward. And as everyone knows, by the, by, the, by the breath of these conversations, there is a lot of work being done. We are not idly sitting on our hands like other nonprofits who have had to sort of at least slow down their services and programs. Thanks to the work Cindy's doing and others, we have exploded. That explosion has uh, reaped some positive benefits, uh, and we have heard about the excitement and enthusiasm around increased engagement. That is also carried through in individual contributions as well. Uh, that continues. We're excited to say today, even there was a wonderful young man who became, uh, you know, in the right of his Jewish faith, uh, a, a man through his bar mitzvah, and he is donating all those proceeds to the American Council of the Blind, thanks to the work that Pat uh, had in, in working to build and foster that relationship. There are people out there today who understand what we're doing and who are moved by what we're doing. And there are people outside of our sphere. So what I'm going to be sharing over the next few minutes ties directly into that work. Now, I would be short not to even take a, uh, you know, uh, the necessary time as needed uh, to say thank you to the committee chairs, to Dan Dillon and the Resource Development Committee, but all those working hard, uh, you know, uh, on the various committees, we've got uh, let me just kind of try to crank through them real quick. We've got MMS. We've got uh, the walk, uh, you know, the mini mall with Carla, the mini mall, uh, which uh, the raffle, um, all angels with Dan and the angels. Um, and uh, also very importantly, the auction. I would be remiss not to say the auction because I've also promised that I will remind everybody in terms of our fundraising in the most immediate near future. Uh, be sure to tune in on November 29th for all those people listening at home right now on ACB radio, but all of our board members as well for the ACB radio auction. All proceeds will help. And starting that Friday and Saturday before the 29th, there will be the auction appetizers. The auction crew kicked it hugely during the convention this summer. And I'm very excited to see that we'll be having some of those same auctioneers back all the way over to Hawaii to bring us into the wee hours 
of uh, whenever the auction will wind up. So Jeff and Terry out in Hawaii wrapping things up at the end. Thank you everybody for your support. Thank you board for all the work you've done in your stewardship and your leadership uh, in terms of finding ways to really uh, in a sense, foster a, a spirit of enthusiasm that is carried through, I think, into a large number of the individual gifts that we've been uh, receiving thus far. Uh, all right. So in that regard, let's walk through some of the things that are taking place now in terms of individual giving and in terms of grants. Uh, we're changing up a few things this year in order to, to scale up, to reach some pretty audacious goals we have over the next five years as an organization. Uh, that information was shared in the board. Uh, you know, pack it in your folders as, as we all had a chance to, to hopefully get briefed on. Uh, but in order to really sort of ramp up, we're looking at a 10% increase next year when we'll be going into the budget conversations. Uh, my targets are raising 10% across the board in terms of all the various aspects of individual giving. Uh, and that includes things like the walk, like MMS. And I'll be gladly working with the committees to see that we reach these targeted goals to increase our revenue. Uh, that's gonna be critical next year. We are still in a pandemic and we're still gonna be going through a half a year. Uh, so you're gonna see a significant amount of effort on my part uh, in working with folks to help increase these targeted areas. Uh, in terms of individual doning, to continue on with that, I've been very fortunate. One thing that we've been able to launch is a major donor advisory group, a, a spirited group of four individuals who have been extremely helpful in, in assisting and guiding me. Uh, Bill Reeder, who folks know, uh, is, is also part of that group. Uh, Jim Crott, thank you so much on the board uh, for being part of that, as well as uh, Kathy Whitaker out in California, Alice Richard and Roger Bridges, uh, who have been very, very good in resource. Uh, a number of things they have come out of that group we are taking into action. For instance, we'll be doing a November 19th thank you to supporters at 2 p.m. and 8 p.m. Eric and I will be on at 2 p.m. and at 8 p.m. Uh, it'll be President Spoon and I, and it's essentially as we move into Thanksgiving uh, to give thanks to those who have given support for us. So if you have a chance, tune into those, check them out. Uh, that was in dots and dashes. Most recently information for that had gone out. So you can just tune back to your dots and dashes and I'll try to probably send out a reminder as well uh, in a couple of days as well for that to uh, for our supporters. Um, you know, looking ahead into 2021, we will be doing a direct mailing at the end of this year. Uh, it's going to be scaled back a little uh, in the coming year. Uh, we have usually had the inside ACB and the direct mailing. We've seen very little return on investment in the amount of money we're putting into that. We are focusing on those who have given to us in the past and targeting, uh, my hope is persuasive messaging so that they can continue to give. And in, in addition to that, though, we have seen a significant uptick in Internet contributions, online giving this year. We are going to be moving heavily after the Thanksgiving holiday into the end of year campaign as well online. We're going to be leveraging crowdfunding tools that are currently available to us free of charge through our donor perfect subscription. And you as a board, uh, I might ask as well for you all to find ways to get involved. If you have Facebook, if you have social networks, if, if you even have email, there are simple ways that we will be working to educate you on over the coming weeks and into December uh, so that you can help out as well. Uh, in some of this crowdfunding. Uh, similar to GoFundMe, uh, many of you know a, a lot of these popular places. David Trott actually had asked if we could look into this, and we found we have similar tools readily available to us through, those are my children screaming downstairs, I apologize, uh, available through the donor perfect free of charge for us. So that'll help in terms as well as capturing data and everything to that nature. 
um, in terms of the grants. So moving away from individual donors, that will continue into in uh, over January 1st as well um, as an opportunity for people to continue to give in this campaign. Uh, and so that individual campaign will be going out, like I said, in a few weeks. All right, uh, moving into grants, I've been working a lot with Joe Lynn. If Joe Lynn's listening right now, Joe Lynn, thank you, thank you, thank you. Her, along with Anthony Corona, folks know Anthony as our communications intern. Anthony's also expressed a desire to get involved with grants and understanding the grant-making process as well, as he looks into sort of nonprofit careers. And But Joe Lynn has been a rock throughout this process and very patient as we work to uh, revamp our grants pipeline. We've now changed the word from pipeline to what I'm calling the power grid. Our grants power grid has a simple approach it's aligning our current grant asks. We're going to be looking at more significant contribution opportunities, uh, but we're going to be better aligning them with our program and our advocacy efforts. Uh, I'll be talking in a few minutes about a health and wellness campaign that you all may already be briefed on. Um, but to that end, you know, Clark mentioned earlier, I think it's a good example of how we can leverage what foundations are targeting in the coming years and where our opportunities are with programming and advocacy and our current successes and be able to leverage opportunities. One good example, our community engagement that Cindy has been doing has been so fantastic. Uh, we have reached out to one foundation. I'm not going to mention them uh, on, on this, uh, this uh, call right now, but they have been very positive uh, just for the, the sake of public uh, listening in. Um, but they have been very positive and talked to us sort of behind the scenes that they're, they're willing to work with us and help us in supporting the work Cindy does. And so that gives us very high confidence we will be able to secure a grant to really help provide staff support to Cindy. Um, there's enthusiasm. I, I tell you all this with all sincerity, and, and, uh, and I mentioned this when we had conversations previously as well. There's a great sense of enthusiasm out there right now. People are excited by the work, by the new paradigm shift that the American Council of the Blind has been able to pick up and walk through the COVID-19 pandemic and know that it'll be probably something that we will continue after the pandemic and after a vaccine is circulated. Uh, this new way of online engagement is, has been very exciting and very helpful in a lot of ways. Um, in terms of other areas where advocacy is in alignment, the health and wellness campaign is something that is, we have been garnering significant support. Uh, partly it came out of a growth of understanding what we have to offer, where are we currently engaging our advocacy efforts, where have we engaged them in the past, you look for that low-hanging fruit, but also too, where are the foundations looking? Chronicle Philanthropy reports today that three out of four foundations, according to the Center for Effective Philanthropy, are saying they're going to increase their funding as a result of the pandemic, particularly in areas of community change, community activism, and areas dealing with equality and the pillars of our democracy. I think a lot of folks know the work Clark's doing hinge on those pillars just as well. Uh, in terms as well with the health and wellness campaign, when we look at the pandemic, uh, audiences that have been severely impacted, such as those with diabetes, We've been working very closely with our Diabetics in Action affiliate, and I'm excited to say that we are putting together a, a pretty solid scope of a campaign that will take place probably second quarter of next year is when it will officially launch in public. Uh, but we are seeking upwards of multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars in grant support that we will be soliciting for that. Um, overall, the grants power grid, when you fuse in the advocacy and the general operating grants that we look at, we've, we're looking at about $760,000 asked up significantly from the 500,000, but based on everything we've, and Joe Lynn and I have been doing with research, it looks like these are positive areas of synergy where there are concentric circles of intersecting between what the missions currently are and this new world of empowerment and people stepping up for themselves and of the people, uh, groups, organizations. Uh, when you look at the health 
when you look at the pillars of our democracy and conversations of what we have historically been doing and the work Clark's doing, um, we have been able to feel like we can secure. And now, of course, we're not going to secure $760,000 worth of grants. I'm not here to say that. But when you look at if it's one out of seven, that's a significant growth in the grants. And you'll see that reflected in the budget when we talk about our grants opportunities. Uh, the last thing I'd like to talk about is the communication plan, because this is going to drive a lot of this activity into the coming year. Uh, Kate Vendimio has provided deliverables to us. Those are in the board folders in terms of a situation analysis, analysis on our existing communications, conducted many focus groups. If anybody's listened to this that participated in those focus groups, thank you very much. Your feedback was extremely helpful and beneficial to the organization. Already, we're using some of that message guidance. And finally, a communication plan with tactics over the next five years to increase our engagement up to 100,000 people. Now, this doesn't mean we're going to have 100,000 people on aforementioned uh, email list. But what it means is that our footprint, our, 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 our ability to reach people, if it's through other groups, other Facebook groups, other means of email lists and other ways to engage people, our platform has the opportunity to reach 100,000 people in five years. That is our strategic target. Kate Vendimia has done a wonderful job of really mapping this out over five years so that it can provide tactics from a communication strategy perspective for myself and Kelly. And if we're able to bring in any additional support, then that place as well uh, can provide that support. But all this goes to say is that we are very focused on increasing our footprint because we know there is a direct correlation in the size uh, and, and scope and ability for that footprint to expand, expand and the ability for us to garner individual gifts. And as well, it builds our own, uh, if you will, um, ethos as an organization, our credibility that significantly can help us with our corporate partners, as well as our other foundations who are out there knowing that we are serious. and We are, we are, we are practicing what we preach in a sense and, and making real action and real change. Uh, that communications plan, if you haven't had a chance to, I know it was spoken in previous conversations, um, but again, uh, check out the communication plan with the tactics, uh, because we are all in a sense ambassadors and messengers. Uh, check out the communication guidance document. Again, that's the way we talk about who we are as an organization and, and, you know, try to become comfortable if you can with some of the messaging, because again, we are all ambassadors and we are all stewards of the organization from a resource development. Uh, you know, it is, it is not just one person that drives the machine. It is all of our collective efforts in this in this village of what's moving forward. So to that end, I will entertain any questions. I don't know how many minutes I fell short and folks for, uh, you know, on the fundraising goal of this uh, little segue, but I will entertain any questions and thank everybody for your time. Thank you, Tony. Any questions for Tony? Around fundraising and development. Don't forget about the auction, ACB auction, November 29th. <laughs> Leslie says, yay, I'm here in the background. <laughs> <laughs> they, and I'll have to tell you, they have, they, th thanks to everybody's wonderful donations, there are a hundred items. So there's going to be uh, 72 the night of the auction. And then they're going to do, um, what is that, 14 each day. Uh, prior to the auction where they're going to, uh, you know, have a sneak a peek appetizer auction on Friday and Saturday leading up to the big event on Sunday. 
So it, thank you it, all for all your support. It probably wouldn't have drawn as much money, but what we should have called it is the turkey leftover auction because we'll probably have leftover turkey. So why we're why we're watching? That's right. Yeah. Why we're bidding? That's yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so thank you all. Uh, and I I want to add one thing, Tony, uh, related to development, and that is hmm. you know every year we ask our board to give a board uh, of directors specific donation to ACB. It's really not so much about the the quantity of the gift, although you don't have to, you know, you be feel free to, to, to be generous. But what is more important is that we have 100% participation from our board. Many, and Tony could speak to this, but many foundations, one of the first questions they ask is, does your board participate in development and fundraising? So... Um, and a reminder that volunteer time also equals up into, into you know, a value as well. So make sure you, right. those hours are being tracked. Um, I would be remiss real, uh, real quick to say, too, we are doing a lot. Thanks to Kelly. Thanks to Anthony. Thanks to Joanne. Thanks to Eric. Um, we have implemented the L10 in our development steering committee and in my other meetings, and it's been hugely uh, helpful in becoming more efficient uh, in our conversations with the convention tech crew in other ways. Um, so thumbs up for L10. Uh, I know you all had, had a chance to learn more about that. Uh, through the documents provided to you. But uh, again, uh, it has been very helpful in leading our meetings. So I would be, uh, you know, short and not saying that uh, we've been leveraging the L10 in our process. It's been very helpful as we seriously will do some significant ramping up next year. So we need these efficiencies in place and these metrics. So thank you. Thank you, Tony. All right. Uh, any questions or comments for Tony? All right. Thank you, Tony. Great job. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, uh, we want to uh, introduce the um, <clears throat> Management and Administration Steering Committee. Our staff uh, lead for this particular effort, of course, is uh, Nancy Marks Becker, our Chief Financial Officer. Our uh, member lead is Pat Sheehan, and our officer liaison, uh, I believe, is, uh-oh, it's got me stumped here now. I think it's Kim, I believe, because uh, we didn't want to overburden David. Uh, so uh, that that's our uh, that's our uh, team, our leadership team, and I'd like to introduce Nancy Marks Becker to uh, walk us through uh, management and administration. The real person that keeps all all the glue together for us as we move forward. So, Nancy. Uh oh, <laughs> Nancy, we find your button. <laughs> Can you hear me now? There you are. Yeah, she's she's uh, helping host the Zoom meeting, so I hope she's there. <laughs> she's no. there. Hi, Nancy. Yes. On my headset, I have a button, and it's attached uh, to it's attached yeah. to my jeans, and I must have hit the mute button on it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> so this is like the most exciting committee there is, you guys, or the steering committee there is. But on mm -hmm. the steering committee, we have constitution, constitution and bylaws, the nominating committee, the budget committee, investment committee, and the ACBS board. So things that we're working on right now is um, 
ACB has several sites where users have a different login to access each one of these websites. And if you are someone who volunteers with us and you are on four of our different sites, you could have four different logins. And this can be confusing and requires individuals to remember multiple usernames and passwords. So to simplify this process, ACB created a member site. And right now we are using the site for the scholarship applications and the holiday auction. So if you want to sign up for the holiday auction, you can use the site. We will be expanding this site so this can be used for other purposes also. So in the future, I anticipate that the person who is the person who's that the affiliate member who's in charge of records would be using it, potentially volunteer forms. Um, you would go through your convention registration here and I am hoping that at some point in time we will have a member benefits section on here. So what I'm going to say is if you sign up for the auction and you're having a couple issues signing up just relax give us a call in the Minneapolis office and we'll help walk you through it. Like with anything anytime you're starting something new there are um, some hiccups so help us go over those hiccups okay and thank you for your patience. 2021 budget. We have been building ACB's 2021 budget for the last several months. And yes, I'm saying the last two or three months we've been working on this. During this process, I started with the current year financials, asked the committee chairs to place a request for their financial needs for the following year. And then based on the current economy, Eric, Dan, Tony, and I forecast the revenue and expenses for 2021. The budget was presented to the budget committee who approved it to be presented to the full board. And the board will be, review, will be reviewing the budget at two separate meetings, one in the end of November and the first part of December. The next section is investments. The investment committee has met quarterly this year to evaluate how our investments are performing compared to the stock market and to consider any adjustments. While ACB had unrealized losses early in 2020, the value of our investments has rebounded to almost where they were at the beginning of the year. There is about $4,250,000 in all of our investment accounts. And right now the reserve account, which is the one that I have asked um, to be able to take money out of earlier this year, has about $1.4 million in that account. So earlier this year, the board approved that 325000 could be withdrawn from the reserve front fund to help meet operating expenses. At the October board meeting, the board approved that an additional $250,000 could be withdrawn from the reserve fund if needed to help meet operating expenses through the end of the year. So far, I, ACB has withdrawn the $325,000 from the reserve fund through October, and right now I am monitoring the funds in our cash account to ensure ACB has funds to meet operating expenses. So I have not taken anything out of the additional 250 that I requested at the um, previous meeting. So ACBES, the thrift stores board members have met several times this year to review how the stores are performing and to keep, I try to keep them up to date on what precautions have been taken to help protect our customers and our employees. We are monitoring how the virus is affecting both cities, both Amarillo and Lubbock, and um, seeing if any changes need to be made. 
So I am pleased to say that while we are not meeting our budget for this year, that both Amarillo and the Lubbock stores have been able to contribute to ACB this year. And in light of how the economy is doing, I think that's really great. Um, another project we've been working on is the storage of our files in SharePoint. And I think I've talked about this before, but in the past, both of our offices stored our files and folders separately. So we could have the same file in both of our offices and we're both saving it. So we have made sites in SharePoint that are similar to our programs and we have been working on moving and organizing our information in one spot and removing duplicates. We are close to having all the files from the Alexandria server on SharePoint and we are starting to move the Minneapolis files to SharePoint also. I will say everyone on the staff has been working very hard on this, but I would like to thank Nancy Christine from the Minneapolis office because she has done up a lot of cleaning. She's worked on getting rid of duplicates, renaming the um, files in the folders. If there's something missing, missing in the folder, she reaches out to the person who would have that information and she's getting them to put it in SharePoint. So I think we have done a really great job of this and it will help everybody in our office be more efficient once that is done. Thank you. Any questions? This is Jeff, Mr. President. Yes, Jeff, go ahead. Um, uh, I should have asked this earlier, but I think it was about the time I left. Um, I'm on several other boards and the September numbers were not hugely positive, but they were in the black, whereas ours are not too horribly negative, but they're still in the red. And I guess I just wanted to ask, have we thought as to whether that is an indication of anything or what? what? I don't know. I just want to bring it up. I, I will say that the amount that we're in the red, a large portion of that is from the thrift stores. And that, no, that I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. Oh, I just sorry. meant the investments. Just, just the investment numbers. You said the you had shared, Nancy, that at the end of September, the 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 investment portfolio was a little bit negative for the year. It was. I think it was like forty something thousand or something. Correct. A little negative. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> and and so that's what I was wondering about. So, Jeff, it all depends on what risk your your um, organization is willing to take. So, if your investments are riskier you potentially lost more money i would say this year if your investments are more secure and we, i'll go from a profile one to a profile five so if you're sitting more in profile one and you have most of your investments in cash you're not going to have lost very much acb we're sort of sitting down the middle of the road because we don't want our investments to fluctuate nearly as much as a profile five so that could be a little bit of what the difference is that you're seeing between some of your other organizations that you're board member of and ACBs. Well, actually that isn't though. I, I'm not trying to be controversial or anything like, but, but the other organizations that I'm a part of are similar to ACB. And so just doing my due diligence, I'm just saying it, it seems a little low to me. Okay.
All right. Uh, thank you, Jeff, for that input. I think we were at like 44,000, which is on a portfolio of over 4 million is like, what is that? That's, I can't even do the math. Like uh, yeah, le less than what, less than 1%. And, and I do think um, uh, where we've, where we've seen it kind of not come completely back is really related to the board reserve where we really did ask our, uh, ask our um, advisors to take a really fairly conservative position there of having uh, a significant amount of our money in cash and in bonds because of because of the fact that we needed to get to that money you know that that is our rainy day fund so that may be what's causing it a little bit but I bet we're going to see that we'll be back in the back in the black here by the end of the year yeah but but that's a good. It what you're saying is apples versus apples. So I think uh, if um, if there's any of that you can share with us, Jeff, so we can kind of you know do a do a do a comparison. That would be a value. Dan to, to the investment committee. Yeah, go ahead, David. Uh, I think I think another thing, Jeff, that that you might want to check on is how limited your people's investment companies are. We, we really keep a tight rein on ours. We have an investment policy in place. So they, they only have so much leadway that they can take. And uh, they, they're very diligent about sticking within that. So I think that might be part of it as well. Yeah, if you were in, if you were in high tech, you did really well this year compared to the normal market. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, any other questions uh, for, for Nancy? Good point, Jeff. I was uh, Dan. Ahead, I was going to say yeah. the investment committee is meeting next week, Jeff. So any kind of insights that you uh, you have and want to communicate with us, that would be very timely. Okay, I'll look up the stuff and see if I can't glean anything that's worth. <laughs> that, that, that'd be great. Yeah. Great. Thank thanks. All right, um, and I think that's. Uh, is there anyone else, uh, I, Nancy? Um, you kind of talked about the thrift stores, but in our last thrift store meeting, you were able to share with us kind of how you've seen the stores bounce back here in the in the last couple of months. So I was hoping you could share that with the general board. Yeah, I sure can. So when the stores opened back up, I think it was the beginning of May, there was some challenges with the thrift stores meeting what their sales goals were. I would say that the Lubbock store has come back. I don't want to say they've come back to what they were budgeted, but they're coming back nearly like 85, 90% of what their sales goals are, they are doing. So the net profit from our Lubbock store is doing well. However, if they need to close down in sometime in November or December, that could have an effect on the overall net profit for the year. The other thing is, Amarillo is sort of challenged. They they have not come back nearly as well as Lubbock, and we are we're we're struggling with getting the sales in the store. We've reached out on um, doing radio ads. We're trying to induce people to come in the store by having a spin the wheel where people can get different discounts. But I would say that she's not getting in the individuals in her store like like the Lubbock store is. She is making a profit though. So I would say in light of this economy, I think that's, that's fairly well. 
and you'll see this in the budget, but we asked actually asked uh, you know Nancy and the in the committee to kind of budget appropriate to to where we're seeing things most likely landing in 2021. Obviously, that's a whole year, and things will change as we go along. But um, when we get to the budget, you'll see this. But we really did not feel uh, feel like we could go back to our pre-COVID levels for the thrift store for next year. We have to be somewhat conservative on our estimates. Yes. All right. Any other questions for Nancy? Oh, I, Nancy, I had one more thing. Would you mind just, uh, uh, for those who may not know, could you kind of introduce Erica? And uh, I know she may probably is not on the call, but at least she was, let she everyone... was at the last meeting. She was at the last, yeah. one. last meeting. Yeah. Okay. So, so we're but, good, everybody. Yeah. But you know what? I think that was when, before we went on to ACB radio. So Erica Keller, is our new HR person in the Minneapolis office. She's been with us for approximately three months. And I know many of you people have called in and she's talked to you. She's very positive, bubbly, and she is a hard worker. So I am very happy to have her in our office. Very good. Thank you. All right. So we're now ready for item 22 on the agenda, which is open discussion. So we have finished our steering committee uh, reports. Uh, just like some feedback from the board uh, fairly quickly, but how did you all like this format? We, Jeff kind of suggested it a little bit through our workshop yesterday that we really, you know, um, spend our time kind of focusing on the work uh, of the organization. So um, love to get your all's thoughts uh, of this particular format. Um, Dan, I'll start off, I guess. I thought it was, uh, I thought it was really good because it was, uh, I think the, the committees were, were very succinct and, you know, shared what they needed to share with us. Um, they, I believe everyone provided some sort of document and I think, and I really think that's very helpful because, um, you know, it's providing some documentation and then going through, a, you know, an oral, you know, your oral report uh, tied to that, I think is, is always uh, is good. I, I thought that the committees, I say, were very succinct and, uh, you know, shared uh, a lot of good information in a short amount of time and were able to get through it and um, digest it and ask our questions and, uh, you know, have some good have some good dialogue. It's, it's, it's just an awesome amount of work going on in this organization. I think all of us ought to be proud. I, I agree with you, Ray. It, it's incredible. The when you when you kind of take a step back and look at it, it's it's awfully awfully uh, impressive. Uh, given it, we're in the middle of a pandemic, it's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, others. All right. Well, I will take the silence of yeah. Acceptance and a desire to move on to to closure. Uh, so uh, the next item, I think, at this point in time, uh, we can uh, say uh, you know sign off and say goodbye to our ACB radio team. We have to do two things: uh, the board has to vote on the executive committee, which is a little bit challenging because we have to break into two teams: an officer team and a board of directors team. And the officers will select three members to be uh, to be on the executive committee, uh, and the board of directors will select two members, and then we'll get back together and announce the five members of the executive committee. 
and then we will go into executive session after that. So I just want to uh, thank all of those who have been listening on ACB Radio Mainstream today. Uh, we always strive to be transparent with our organization and obviously what we do is for our members. So thank you all very much for your listening today and uh, and please feel free to reach out to any member of the board of directors or officers if you would like to provide comment or feedback on today's meeting. So thank you so much. And Jason, I'll let you, please let me know when, uh, when we kind of are off of ACB radio.